G'day, Bloodborne. It is AOS Coach here, and I am talking to the Blood Ripped Warrior, the OG mortal enthusiast, Matt Gammy. He didn't know that introduction was coming, and I'm better at Absolutely it now. Absolutely not. Yep. I'm not stumbling across <laughs> my words. Sometimes I butcher it in the first 30 seconds, and I'm just like, oh, I want to restart this. But what I don't want to restart is the Blades of Corn video. And you might recall that I've already done one video for the new Battle Tome. And my mate Gareth Thomas had uh, really had a focus on demons. And I didn't think we quite got a focus enough on the mortal side. So I wanted to get Matt on and discuss a little bit more about how he's looking at this particular book with a mortal focus lens. It's not to say, folks, that you can't do a, a mix. It's not to say that mortal's better than demon. But I think between the two videos, you should get a good, robust understanding of how you might want to build your corn, whether it's all mortal, all demon, a bit of a mix, 50-50, 70-30, whatever works for you. Um, and yeah, we'll just put a mortal lens on this video. Matt has been on the channel for a, a few times now, but surprisingly not with corn, despite you playing corn for a long time. You've been on here for bone splitters and maybe Sylvaneth. So it's good to have you back. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for the invite and thanks for all the viewers out there. Hopefully you get something out of tonight and yeah, get a bit excited for the mortal side of corn because I think there's been a little bit of a one-sided, you know, favoritism in the, the you know, uglier child that's, you know, of the two corn factions. So, yeah, we'll go with that. I mean, like maybe it wouldn't hasn't helped with Pat, uh, our friend down in Measured Gaming, writing the world's largest blog post about why mortals were hot garbage. And I thought it was a little bit harsh, Pat. I'm sorry. Like I appreciate your thoughts, and you are an OG player as well. I'm pretty sure he on on the video when I had Pat on very early on in first edition, he almost got me demonetized. But I saw those opinions, <laughs> and I'm like. I appreciate and respect it, but I don't think it's correct. I think there is some good stuff in mortals. Yeah, demons might appear stronger, and they probably are stronger, but I'm not ready to write off the mortal side yet. So, Gammy, talk to me. Where are you at? And when you picked up this book for the first time as a mortal focus player, and I think you saw me a photo on Twitter. It's like mm. 18 skull crushers. Um, you already had them, so it's not like you're a meta chaser. Yeah, look, it's a um, one of those things where uh, with Mortal Side of Corn, they're definitely one of those things where you pick up the book, uh, you hear, you know, people that for some odd reason, when the books were being leaked, this was, you know, the corn book was the one that just stayed true to to all of those people sticking to their obligations uh, with GW, which was great. Um, meant I had to work on my patience. It was awesome. Um, but when picking up the mortals, there were some really obvious uh glow ups um there was also some really obvious changes which i think if you've been playing corn for a while um some people would see it as a disappointment which obviously we saw with pat uh and his um blog that he did what i will say is that there are some really it, it goes on an interesting journey as pat does which is starts really positive to say this is what's great about the book um and then kind of goes into his disappointments and kind of what his wish list to have you know the ideal corn mortal corn list was um Picking up, I mean, if you are someone who loves the idea of, you know, Ares God of War, you know, uh, play God of War, the, the PlayStation game, you've got anything like that in a background of people who give in to, I guess, the bloodlust and, you know, picking on the fact that they're obsessed with war and that that taps into, you know, their psyche and then that, that you know, focus on their weakness, then that's, that's mortals. That's what it's about. And I think... Um, 
you know, coming in, I love the Blood Warrior sculpt. I think it's one of the the best, you know, Age of Sigma glow ups when they they came out with Corn for the first time. He just never saw Blood Warriors. Like it was maybe ten as a throwaway Blood Tithe. Uh, you saw a lot of Blood Reavers. So. Um, you know, it, and, and not a lot of skull crushes either. I think, like I said, I've had 21 skull crushes for nearly five years now, uh, five or six years. And that was literally from, I think, a meme list in the United States ran 21. And I thought, well, you know, back then they had a uh, actual battalion called the Brass Stampede. And so I wanted to tap into that and, you know, spent a long time trying to gather resources because they were very expensive. They still are to get 21 skull crushes, but um, it's been a nice journey to go on because they were a big focus, I think, for a lot of people when the book dropped was, hey, check out Skull Crushers, you got to get amongst it. Um, but yeah, they're, they're a good time. I'm, I'm looking forward to unpacking the general gist of, of mortals. Um, but I will say that if you like dying and handing out some mortal wounds on the way out, then you definitely are um, barking up the right tree. That's what I'll say. And I think maybe, and like when I talk to corn players, I know going into this book, and maybe it's the mortal side more than the demon side, but they wanted the Daughters of Cain treatment where, you know, the prayers would buff up the the, uh, the witch elves and the sisters of slaughter and they'd go in and they'd wreck face. And obviously corn doesn't care where the, how the blood flows and, you know, skulls for the skulls of uh, the throne of corn. And that obviously plays really well into some of the rules and we will go to the rules, but I can appreciate where people have come in with the disappointment that they would get a fundamental change to the way you played. But just because it didn't change the way that some people wanted, I just want to call out. I don't think it's you, you, you rub it off. Like, it's just like, mm -hmm. cool. Like it's still really good stuff in there. And I know when I've looked at some of your lists and we'll, we'll bring it up through the discussion. Um, there is some good stuff, but there is a play style competitively if you want to do well that you're probably going to have to lean into. And as you've mentioned, dying and building a list that wants to die may seem counterintuitive to some people, but it is a, a leverage strength for you. So, uh, but if it's not how you want to play, then then that's cool. You don't have to build around that. You and you know you, you do you. Mm, absolutely. And I think it's pivoting as well, as you said. So if you had an idea of how Corn played before or if you got stuck in the the way that Corn played, because Pat was a very successful, still is a successful Corn player, um, probably felt like they did him dirty on a couple of War Scrolls. Um, but I, I feel as a general gist, I think the way Mortal Corn plays now, I'm still learning, still unpacking um, compared to how I used to play them. And, and that's an exciting it's the change you want, isn't it? With a new book, you don't want to go into it and think, okay, I'm going to play it exactly like I used to and potentially get some wins. So it, um, I, I think it's a really nice, nice update. Looking forward to it. So what have you, what have you noticed as, as a mortal player that's changed, right? So between playing with it in the last book versus playing with it now, what are some of those high level observations? Uh, I'd say in the last book, it was, if you went full mortal, like I did, it was basically, strap it and hold on and hope you have models at the end of the game. Um, I would say it was slow play as well, because you would with it, you know, for example, I always ran 20 blood warriors. It was just a core of my list. I wanted to run. I love the idea of just a big, big block of dudes and uh, the old blood warriors would pile in and attack when they died. And so you're rolling lots of dice, you're going through a process and, um, 
they weren't as tanky as they are now. So again, that's the kind of trade-off is to say, okay, well, I'm not going to get a pile in, but I'm getting murder rolls now. And I've also got a bit of a tank. Um, I think, interestingly, I liked the White Dwarf update when it came out last year, where they changed the blood tithe, uh, where you didn't lose it all when you used to uh, use it, which was a great update. Um, and obviously the sorceress, uh, the, you know, hatred of sorcery role as well, which is really nice that that was introduced. Uh, it was a six up in the white dwarf update and then you get a blood tithe to ignore spells and, and endless spells um that's now been updated so it's a really nice little little bonus there i don't think it's um you know if it was a four up i think it'd be a little too good um whereas a five up is still tasty when you see people try and bubble dispels or or uh, rather dispels a you know debuffs of some type um you know and getting five blood tithe from your opponent in their phase can be quite confronting for for players so um overall like a big picture think uh your prayers are much better your blood tithe is more usable at the lower end it used to only be aiming for three three or more um and i think in regards to mortals in general i think they're a, a tank and grind i think that's kind of the best way to describe them they all got rend um, which is a really nice update all of the heroes got actually good in combat now so you're not sitting there hoping to roll one one hit or whatever it is. Um, Slaughter Priest actually can slap in combat now, which is really good. So I think they gave them a little bit of a boost. Um, but again, you just have to pivot with the way to play them. And I think that's what I'm learning at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's interesting because um, when you look at the War Scrolls and like I had the pleasure of going through every single War Scroll looking at old and new, there is a lot of changes where it's a maybe an, at uh, an attack that went from a four up to a three up or no ren to ren one or damage one to damage two. And on the surface, you're like, eh, so what? You know, but when incrementally you look across the whole army where you're getting more consistency, more damage, more rend, uh, with a high volume of attacks, and then obviously mortal wounds on the way out, plus some of the extra stuff. Um, that's why I'm like, there's there's stuff in here. Like, let's not uh, let's not ruin part half of the book and and say that it's only a demon. Um, mm. focused book i think there's still play and if you feel that you know like you, i go back to first edition where where the corn book would mostly be about bloodbound but you'd still have a thirster and mm. you can still do that if you want to run a scar brand and as your absolute hammer and then fill it up with priests and and blood warriors or skull crushers or skull cannons or whatever it is you absolutely can still do that. But if you want to go all in on mortal, actually maybe a better question, Matt, is do you want to go all mortal? Because I know in the demon side, because of the priests, people are still doing a blended approach. You're not going full demons. You might go like 20% of your points go into mortals, but it's never a pure demon list in most cases. Mm, yeah. Um, I think... It's an interesting question because you you could go fully mortal if you wanted to. Um, my initial lists were completely mortal, uh, no demons whatsoever. And I'd say that the only demon lists, or de there's a couple of demon war scrolls that you probably want to include. One of them being the Bloodthirster on Fed Fury. So he's the, the whippy boy, um, hands out the neg one bubble for uh, eight inches. It's a neg one to hit. Um, really nice little bonus. Uh, you also have access to the artifacts as well, which is nice. So turning off ward saves is kind of the go-to. That's that's where you'll see the most. 
Um, and you know, he's he's a nice little buff piece. Then Skull Cannons is another one. So that's probably the one that I tend to find myself relying on. 140 points um, turns into a Skull Cannon, which is your you know ability to clear screens or shoot back if you're you're coming up against a shooting list. And I think that's where you're going to see not the purists. Um, I I think there are purist lists out there, but again, a Skull Cannon doesn't go astray. So you, you can't go wrong with the Skull Cannon. And Scarbrand, as you said, Scarbrand is the most enjoyable War Scroll to have. And, uh, you know, I think he got better. Um, he doesn't do his 30 billion mortal wounds anymore, but I think his his general attack with Carnage is much better now. So, um, yeah, I think he's great. And I don't think there's any re- and I yeah I, I I agree with what you've said. Um, and I don't think that there there is a reason in the book that you should go all mortal or all demon. Now, if it is your preference because mm. of the aesthetics or whether you've got a theme, cool. I'm not saying th- don't do it, but it's not like it's forcing you. Like I remember, like the old Gits book, right? The old Gits book was trying to force you into playing one or two parts of the book at best, right? It mm. was super hard to run a list that wasn't just all squigs or all trogs right it was really forcing you down one lane now with the third edition book it is rewarding you for having a soup and you know what if i want all squigs i can do all squigs but i i need hammer and anvil and i might need elite bodies as well as hordes so actually the best list right now is a blend of two and it's up to your preference on how much you blend either side and i feel like this particular book is also true where yeah 100 percent, 80 percent, 70 percent, swinging your points where you want to swing it but like when you look at the prayer law, even if I was a demon army, I'd be taking priests because the prayers are so good. You know, mm. there are things like the blood secreta, which I really like. There's a whole bunch of things where if I go one way, I feel like I'm giving something up. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the thing is, is that um, you, you're kind of touching on it there, the idea of saying like plug a gap. If there's a weakness to the list where you go, I need something in there that, you know, if I said shooting, Mortals don't have access to shooting. If it's a priest, um, the demons did become priests, which is exciting, but they didn't get blood boils. So, and, you know, we'll talk about the Realm of God Ritualist reducing an attack by one. You know, there are prayers on War Scrolls, which are good. Um, I think, you know, you've also got Unbinds with Slaughter Priests as well, as opposed to the, the Blood Masters not getting that. So, you know, there's, there's trade-offs for both. And I think it is worth looking into... Um, as I said, that idea of what are you lacking and then what can you get through either a mortal choice or through a demon choice. So, yeah, you're right. I think there'll be um, probably the 70-30s out there will probably be the best kind of list that you'll start to see. Um, but, again, you know, it's a reasonably new book and I think we're going to see some really exciting lists in the next couple of weeks and, and months as well. Yeah, and just and just to call it out, folks, we are recording pre-FAQs and errata. So if if murder lust stays at one blood tithe point, I will be surprised. Um, but at the time of recording, this, we are as the book um, is written and published. So things may mm-hmm. change if you listen to this in the future. And much like you, yeah, my Gits army is a 70-30 split, even in the current book. I work off synergies. I go, cool, I'm going to have my trogs. I need a, a trog little bubble, but then like I'll, I'll look at it, you know, and that's kind of how I would look at it as a, as a corn player. Um, the most corn I have is this hat, by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but talking about glow ups, uh, especially with a, a mortal lens, is there any particular units that you thought really glowed up between the old book and the new book? Maybe some sleepers. Like for me, I'm going to praise it to the heavens because it's, 
uh, it's I love the hero. I'm sad she didn't get a new model, but I love the new Valkyrie. I haven't mm. seen her yet in competitive lists. I don't know why. Um, she is a funny little model, um, but I just love some of the deep striking shenanigans she brings to the table and brings just another dimension to a list construction. But outside of my love of Valkyrie, what have you thought about or you looked at you went, you know what, this used to be hot garbage. Now it's actually worth considering or maybe I should build a list around it. Mm. Um, I mean, the obvious one, Skull Crushers. That's the one that most people were, um, uh, I guess, drawn to from the initial, you know, the book release. And they thought, oh, wow, Skull Crushers, they're kind of the go-to, um, mainly because they go to a two-plus save base, um, which is monstrous cav on a two-plus base save is is amazing. I love it. Um, you also get rends, you get more attacks with them on top as well, uh, with the the um, actual riders, which, you know, previously used to just be six attacks, no rends um, per model. And it was great because, you, again, you're going, okay, well, into a night haunt list, I don't care because I'm having a million attacks, but the rend is a really nice little pip. Um, again, they also went up, though, in points, so by 40 points. So it's a little bit of a trade-off to say, well, you know, Yes, they're a good glow-up. I think they're fantastic. Um, I'm still fitting in six on average into a list just as a nice little um, down the wings and, you know, have your your solid hitters on the wings sort of thing and, and rely on the fact that they're not going to need a hero nearby. Um, they're pretty solid bravery to up save base. You know, you're throwing out a, a all-out defense if you want to, but realistically, I think they're just there to look after themselves. Their mortal wounds got better on the charge as well. Um used to be just a one more wound on a two plus and then if you had three uh sorry six or more models um it would be d3 mortal wounds each which it used to be nice on a, a six man unit but again it's that sort of thing of people would just counter it really easily they're big base sizes so it's hard to kind of manage that um and you're hoping for a charge some people just stop the charge from happening so again um i think that they're really great um that's probably your more obvious choice uh, Can I, I pause you before, you before yeah, you, course, before you yeah. go on? I, I just want to pause yeah. you because um, maybe just explain to me. I've got two questions. Well, one's a question. One's just I, I want you to connect the dots for me. So for the person, the uninitiated, or maybe the person who doesn't quite understand the benefit of a CAV unit going to a 2-plus save, mm. um, why why is this beneficial to me as a competitive player? Yep. Um, so I see it as the fact that they've got, the highest the higher movement out of the choices in corn um you're not having to to spend your metal last on them all the time although i think they're a great choice to do so um i think the big thing is is that as competitive player it's a unit of three models uh they count as two models each so they're already outnumbering most um five men units which are also screens i see them as a semi-screen sort of unit so yeah. you've got them out there on your wings or they're, they're covering the the more flat, the, the nicer part of your army that you don't want to lose. Um, and you're not worrying about them dying. Um, I've come up against some really tough opponents with, you know, KO and, and other uh, armies who can delete whole units and they've really had to throw everything into a unit of three skull crushes. So again, it's that sort of the bang for your buck, 200 points. Um, as a competitive player, I think having them go out for 200 points on 15 wounds on a two up save um, bravery seven, you know, you've got to kill one or two to really rely on, you know, battle shocking them off. And then at that stage, you're like, well, you know, if I, I'm losing in battle shock, then 
that's the the reality and it's blood type points so again it's that sort of thing of your trade off for 200 points is excellent um so as a competitive player i see them as a pseudo screen um but then they're also an aggressive screen as well so that's probably the best way to describe them yeah and i guess the other part that i'll just mention really quickly is the ability to you know put on a bronze flesh put on uh all that defense and you could charge into a mega gargant right and most mega gargants have ren two there's ren three attacks at best but at, let's say it's a ren three attack a gatebreaker which is the smashiest of mega gargants you go in with bronze flesh and all that defense, your save is a three plus. Mm. Even mm. though they have Ren minus three, if they've got Ren minus two, you're still sitting on a two plus. Like that's an mm. incredibly hard unit to shift. And because you've got the ward save of five up against uh, mortal wounds and spells and things, it's incredibly tough to shrug. Mm. Yeah, and, and the thing is, when I used to run them uh, in the Brass Stampede, they used to have a four-up spell ignore, um, which was great against, you know, all the Zinch players. And, and Magic at the moment is going to come in really um, solidly with Seraphon release and, and you know, even Soulblight Gravelords where they're, you know, doing Spirit Gale across the table. It's that sort of thing of, I dare you to do it because I'm going to get a, um, so uh, you know, Hatred of Sorcery roll, but then also you're getting a five-up board with, with the shields as well. So, again, they're... They're a really nice glow up where you can't go past them for, for 200 points. And the great thing is, is their new box that came out um, as the Bloodbound box, it, it comes with three in that in that sort of block, in that box, which is a great little buy. So. The other thing I wanted to ask you about, and then I'll, I'll get more of your, your, your other choices, mm. is I know when I did my preview of the Battle Tome, a lot of comments came up saying that they were disappointed with the Mighty Skull Crusher attacks. Like, yeah, the defense glowed up and yeah, they got some improvements, but they were underwhelmed by the damage characteristics. Um, and it's interesting, right? Because like, can you have the best of both worlds where you have this super defensive two plus five up ward mortals on the charge and then add, you know, damage two, damage three. And like, if you took, and look, when I think about a mighty skull crusher, yeah, if a, a law, they probably should have both. But then the points just becomes too unbearable and it kind of like takes away from putting them in your army because you'd be paying, what, three, three fifty maybe for a unit of three because they're just too good in too many areas. Mm. What's your yeah. take and what's your thought on that comment? Because I did get that more than once in the chat. Yeah, um, look, I like the idea of maybe getting bonuses on the charge of, a, you know, a damage too, like like a lot of cavalry does. Um, and you look at Blood Knights as a comparison. So, you know, similar points, um, similar amount of wounds, three up save, they're Ren 2 on their attacks, become damage 2 uh, if they charge. I think, again, you're probably looking at them in a way of saying, well, I'm not going to use them for a, a hammer unit. You're going to use them for a, you know, grind you know, unit. So that's the sort of thing where they're a different role. Um, I think... You know, heavy cavalry, sure, they should be doing the damage, as you said, but I think the reality is is that you can't have the best of all worlds, otherwise your points are... And, and you know, then you're going to see people just lean into it, which would be great, but it's that sort of thing of I don't think the benefit's there. Um, I think the fact they got more attacks per model is excellent as well, so that's not worth, you know... It's, it's one of those things you can't look past, Um mainly because I have played them before and I know that six attacks per model is great, um, but, you know, add that to seven attacks per model, you've it doesn't sound like a lot, but, again, math says you're getting more through with that as well. Um, probably a question people would have is the Blood Glaive or Axe question. 
um, you know, it's kind of like the scythe or sword in Sylvaneth. Um, you know, I think with Slanesh being out there and people with access to Neg 1 to hit, I think the Glaives are probably not worth taking. Um, you'll see later in my list I've got two units with them in it and that's because I purely modelled them up with Glaives because Glaives look cooler. So, um, you know, it, it wasn't for a competitive choice in the sense of, um, the the benefits because they come at Ren two standards and there are ways to get them to Ren three which is really nice um, but again I think the axes hitting more consistently is probably the better option in that space. All right, just really quickly on that then, and then we'll move on to another unit. Mm. So the Blood Glaive got a improvement to its range, so now then our range two, right? So yes, you've modeled your units to have some blood glaives, but you're saying the ensorcelled axes are probably better for you. Mm -hmm. Is that still true if I'm reinforcing them to be a unit of six, given how big of a base they are? You don't have any special coherency rules with them. Does that sway you towards a unit? Uh, if you're unit, a unit of six, are you swaying towards the blood glaives or do you still think the ensorcelled axes are better even at six and just sacrifice some attacks? Yeah, I think um, I was kind of used to sacrificing attacks in the last book. So, um, you know, having a unit of six was one of those things where axes, you probably didn't see the difference because you're still doing a frontage of four and then two at the back doing handbrake turns to to get your um, coherency in. So, yeah. Um, again, it's that sort of thing of I think two-inch range is nice and it's probably going to get you some more attacks. But again, when you're trying to handbrake turning in, two inches is probably not going to get you the range that you need. Um, I, I like the Ren too, I really do. But if they... Uh, I guess they had to really work out what to do with them and hitting them on fours is, you know, it's the Sylvanath issue with bows is they hit on fours and, you know, you see it impact a lot more. Um, and, and our access to plus ones is limited in Realm Gore Ritualist and then all out attacks. So it's um, Killing Frenzy disappeared, which used to be the old prayer. Um, so, again, that's the sort of thing where you start to change and say, okay, well, I'm not going to have the plus one to hit, whereas in the last book I could run six Glaives give them Killing Frenzy and an all-out attack and they're, they're hitting on threes most of the time, um, you know, against even units with Neg 1, so, um, which was a nice little bonus. All right. I, th I think the Mighty Skull Crusher show is done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're great. Like, mean, they are great. Like, I must admit, like, when I saw that, I'm like, yeah, I could run a list of them. Like, I could run a yeah, army. Like, that, that's yeah. my type of corn army. Just, oh, uh, oh, sorry, and, and also Bloodthirsters. Yeah, look, anyone who's in, who's played against me in Corn probably knows that when the Skull Crushers got the glow up, they knew that they were going to see 21 on the table. So it, it was bound to be this this show was going to be heavily involved with Skull Crushers. And one of my lists tends to lean towards Skull Crushers, shocked and stunned. So outside of the Skull Crushers, so I think we have we mm. both agree we're fans of them, whether you take mm. a couple of them, whether you run a whole army of them. I think regardless if I'm building a mortal list, I'd have at least three possibly two units of three that'd be like maybe my starting points and fill the rest in kind of at minimum but outside of them uh are there other units that have gotten a glow up that you now really like some changes that have happened that is worth reinvesting or considering uh look i think if you like me have enjoyed blood warriors in the past um you can't you know look away at their three plus save base uh on a two wound model um, their murder rolls are two as well. So again, it's that sort of thing of you're getting two murder rolls per per blood warrior. Um, looking at them as a utility piece is really nice now. It's it's um, 
I think before you would probably see 10 um, and that's fine. 10, I think is great. Um, but you, you can lean into those bigger units now as well. Um, Blood Warriors, I, I mean, I was going to talk about them because they are a love of mine and, and I'm glad that they got the, the armor save that they did. Cause I feel like looking at, um, corn in the past, a lot of people went into slaves to darkness and would look at, you know, um, Chaos Warriors as an option. Um, with a five-up board against Mortal Wounds, they were much tankier. Um, now you're looking at, you know, at the question of do you take Axes or or um, the Fists as well. Uh, I think both options are great. The fact that they got Rend 1 is a really nice bonus and their bigger Axe getting Rend 2 is also a great bonus as well. Um, so, again, it's that sort of thing of you're not getting access to a lot of plus one attacks anymore, so the Blood Secretor lost out on that. But I do like... Blood Secretor is an interesting one for me. I don't know. I'm a bit uncertain about how I feel about him. I think I really like him. I really do. Um, his once per game plant the standards really nice, and it's about finding the time to do that. Um, so that'll probably be my next War Scroll to talk about, which is the Blood Secretor. Um, the four up rally is a really nice bonus. Um, that's one where we happened to court and enjoyed the, the, you know, the four up rally for all the two weeks before the battle scroll came out. And changed I, I was, I'm going to, I'm going to, I was going to ask you, does the battle scroll change now while you can, like you're now limited the amount of wounds. Does that change the value of the blood secreted to you? Uh, I think if you're leaning into him, no, I think he still gives, you know, a, a rally's a rally and four up rallies more consistent. You know, that's still five blood warriors. It's still, you know, um, I mean, if you have a unit of 30 Blood Reavers, it's still 10 coming back. You know, it's a lot of units, a lot of models coming back. Um, the My boys, the Skull Reapers, obviously for those people that don't play corn, there is a lot of Skull and there is a lot of Blood in the names of um, blood, War Scrolls. Blood so, Reavers, Blood Warriors, yeah. Blood Stokers. Yeah. Like, yeah, you go through it all. It's just like blood, yeah. Blood, Skull, Skull, Blood, Skull, Blood, Blood. I, really, I want like a model really that's literally just called... Yeah. Yeah, like a blood skull, blood skull. Yeah, you know, there is one out there. It's just, it's it's waiting for us to be made. Um, it's it's really difficult to try and explain to your opponent when you're saying my skull reapers are going to do this and the skull crusher is going to do that, and they don't know who you're referring to. So you actually have to physically point. Um, uh, yeah, skull reapers. I think uh, another nice little interesting uh, unit. I ran ten of them in the last list um, in the last edition. Sorry, or last book. Um, I had to obviously run Galician Veterans to get two ranks. Now they're a two-inch range on their weapons in general, which is great, so you don't have to worry too much about that. Um, they still get their mortal wounds in addition. The only thing that has changed about them is they're no longer immune to battle shock and they um, don't uh, do the D3 mortal wounds when they roll a fiber um, when they die. So bits and bobs it's one of those things where i think in general um i'd say mortal corn was sitting here and it's probably just moved slightly up and that's a really nice little bonus to have um across the board i think slaughter priests are excellent their actual war scroll combat now is much better um but yeah i would say skull crushes are probably the most obvious um the rest is kind of making it work and and not is kind of the best way to describe it I want to throw another one out there and I feel like mm. I'm just like showing my inexperience in corn because I don't play them, but I just love certain things. Looking at the Korgorath, and I know it's mm. a bit of a sleeper choice because partially it's hard to get as an independent model, but I looked at the horrific Predators rule, being able to shut down Inspiring Presence while they're within three inches of the Corgi. 
and again, being the list tech person that I like some of the counterplay, some of the off meta choices, given we are seeing like Beast of Chaos, Gloom Spike Gits, the hordes returning, I actually don't mind that particular rule. Now, is it worth it on the Korgorath and are you going to pay the points? Obviously, it's up for debate, but I do like that rule. Yeah, look, I think if you want to lean into that, your icon is probably the better option, which is your um, your endless prayer. So is the best way to describe them is the invocation is the technical term for them. Um, hands out the same ability and it's it's with innate is uh, you're not getting inspiring presence. Mm. And what it does is trigger as well and you can also make more models run away, which is really nice. I think the Korgorath is excellent. But again, um, like I said, access and the fact he's a single pose model that looks the same, you try and get, three of them on the table and it's like there's my same model on the table and if you if you go that way that's fine um but i think points will probably be a little bit squishy when it comes to mortal corn they do tend to you know be on the expensive side compared to the demons um and you know i think there's probably uh stronger options in bloodthirsters that would probably be my answer you're breaking my heart here 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 i am trying to get the corkerath back on the table i remember in first edition i played someone with like eight corgis um and it was funny because literally as you said they're all the same monoposed kind of uh model but you're right like when you know when you look at the bleeding icon it does some cool stuff it shuts off the inspiring presence on a six you can add d6 to the amount of models that flee Obviously, it complements your priests really well because you're already going to be building so many priests. I just like the idea of the Korgorath. I just and you know, I'm sorry to break your heart, mate, but he's he's probably going to sit on that shelf gathering dust still. Or you can take him and run him for a game and go. I don't know why I did it, but uh, you know, I've got to put him on the table. That's the main thing. Do both. Do both. Have a, yeah. a, a Korgorath yeah. and the bleeding the bleeding icon. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll take it. Here I am trying to force force an idea into you, and you just shut me down yeah, like the gorgeous skulls. You shut yeah, me exactly, down. Exactly. Exactly like that. That's it. Just made your head explode. By, by, That's all it is. By the way, I will never forget a Runax tournament where I played uh, Monica a couple of years ago, where I rolled a 16 on a spell cast with my Hallow Heart Wizard, and Monica, with her Hex Gorgeous Skull, shut me down on a natural roll of eight. I high-fived her. It was incredible, but... Still hurt a little bit, just to... <laughs> well, the, the game that really hurt me is when I played Doom and Darkness with Gloom Spike Gits, and the Hex Gorgeous Skulls popped two of my little four-wound idiot wizards with Hex Gorgeous, like, <laughs> Uh, it's great against Lumineth because all their their little wizards are their champions, so all their heads explode, and then they, they aren't wizards anymore. It's a great time. It's a it's a very good time. But uh, so bleeding icon still great. Uh, actually, probably yeah, it's probably better. Um, Hex gorgeous still does Hex gorgeous, although, although the range kind of reduced a little. It went from twelve mm. to eight. To eight. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any other any other glow ups? And if if there's no other glow ups you'd want to call out, we'll get into the rules and we'll talk a bit about uh, how you're seeing the rules as a, a mortal player. Yeah, let's get stuck in. I'm just, I'm just looking at my notes from the original preview. I'm like, I remember there was some cool stuff, you know, like yeah, yeah, like there was there was incrementing little changes, but I wouldn't say there was massive glow ups uh, where a unit Not like obvious. fundamentally changed. Correct. Yeah, it's They're not like, like they were sleeper the whole time and then all of a sudden everyone went, I'm going to go buy this this model. I think everyone kind of was happy if they owned a corn army to say, cool, I can now run stuff that I might not have been running before or, or likewise. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think yeah, we've captured captured the big ones. I'm, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm still going to push it out there, Valkyar. I love Valkyar. 
Just keep Valkyrie and Colgrats just run it as a list. Be pretty well, cool, Valky, actually. <laughs> Valky's what 140 <laughs> points, man. Like, come on, find 140 points in your list. Put down this deep striking hero, hero sniping. Uh, she's great. All right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not stepping back on that one. I'll give you the corgis, <laughs> but I'm not standing down on Valkyrie. You've got a bunch of rules, right? As a mortal player, talk to me here, right? So let's start off with your Legions of Chaos. We'll talk about Slaughterhosts down the line because I'll actually have the rules up. But as a mortal player, will you tap into your one in four Beasts of Chaos, your two in four Slaves to Darkness? Obviously, there's conditions there right around keywords. So read the screen, read your battle tome. I'm not going to read it for you. Um, but do you tap into them, or if you were going to tap into them, what are you looking for? Yeah, look, I think um, you're probably going to look for your movement options, um, or, or options maybe in shooting. Um, so Ungor Raiders. Uh, I think the go-to is the Cockatrice. So I think that's a really solid option. Um, a lot of, co- uh, not just corn armies, but a lot of Chaos armies in general are looking at the, the Cockatrice just for its debuff potential. Um, look, I, I don't think you're going to see a lot of Legions of Chaos only because they took away the ability to have Wizards, right? So they don't want you to have Wizards as a corn player. And I think that's a great choice um, from a theme point of view. Uh, what it does is mean that you're kind of saying, well, am I getting anything out of the Slaves to Darkness options or the Beast of Chaos options that I'm not getting in uh, maybe cheaper options? So, uh, you know, Gore or Ungore, you're better off just running Blood Reavers because you're getting Blades of Corn keyword. Um, you get the Corn keyword, but not the Blades of Corn keyword. And I think that's a really important thing for anyone who's considering it competitive players out there to just consider and say well what are you missing out on in that trade-off is you know a lot of the the keyword locked um, abilities in that space um i really like how the idea of beast of chaos as an option i think slaves to darkness are just corn in a different way basically black and gold as opposed to red and gold so you know they're they've your knights are probably the option you might look at but again the Blades of Corn cutoff is a little bit of a problem in that space. And I know a lot of people when Slaves dropped were running the um, Blood Stoker and, and Blood Secretor for those bonuses. And, and obviously it was going to change because, you know, it, it was too good to be true. For, for that I, 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 may have, I, I may have went on to the Australian buy and sell and got both of those models for 30 bucks combined. I'm like, look, if it doesn't get changed, like Go I lost 30 it. bucks. If, yeah, yeah, like for 30 yeah. bucks, like whatever. Yeah. But yeah, Mr. Whippy and Mr. Bannerman both got nerfed out of the sun for coalition yeah. into slaves. But luckily mm-hmm. Sigvold is still okay. So I can bring Siggy in. But one one unit I see at least talked about a lot is um the Cygor. The Cygor mm-hmm. being that anti-magic tech that really works so well with what you're currently doing. Uh, it is a monster, which is nice, but you're, you're getting that was it 30-inch debuff aura of just like doing wounds to wizards, which uh, is just so sweet. Mm, yeah, and, and that's the same with the Cockatrice is that you've got those options of saying, well, you, your board-wide ability to just go D3 more wins for successfully casting spells is pretty fantastic. Um, and it's another unbind, so, you know, you've got those options in that space with the... Um, uh, endless spells that'll be on the table because Corn did lose the ability to do a lot of dispels. They have unbinds but not dispels anymore. Um, so again, that's the sort of thing of you know you might be looking in that space for options. And, and I think a cycle is a great shout, a really really good shout. 
So what I'm hearing from you is most of the time you're not leaning in because they don't have the blades of corn and because they don't have the blades of corn keyword and they don't get it by coming into this, it means you are giving up a lot. So you can obviously run it, but you're just not going to get the hatred of sorcery, the murderous to the last, locus of fury. None of that's going to happen because you don't get the blades of corn keyword. Correct. Yeah. It's, you know, it's the same issue with Cities of Sigma, you know, being outlined into other armies. Like, you know, if I look at Sylvaneth, I'd, I'd like Cities of Sigma to be in um, or Stormcast to be in as, you know, those options as well. But it's that sort of thing of if you have an option to run you, and get the bonuses of your keywords, then I stick to that from a competitive yeah. side of things. Locus of Fury is obviously a demon rule, but maybe, you know, quite quickly, uh, do you like this rule? And as a mortal player, do you bring a unit in to benefit from this rule? Or like, it's just a nice rule to have if your list happens to have a demon in it. Yeah, I, I think it's a great rule. Um, I think there's ways to turn it off really easily after playing with a demon unit. So I, I have a skull cannon in, in my list at the moment. Um, I also like the idea of a unfettered fury bloodthirster um and again his little trade-off is that you don't get a follow-up board but get a neg one to hit for being within eight of him so it's that sort of i like him as a little trade-off um i think it's a great ability for corn's biggest weakness which is shooting um you know any any shooting list was always really painful to play against with corn you just as I said strapping in and holding on um in in the past whereas now you've got a little bit of a of a a bonus there and a five up ward is nothing to to look past in a in a sense of go oh well it's just five up but five up wards really solid yeah yeah it, it's great uh, look if you i wouldn't take a demon purely for locus of fury but there are other things that are going to benefit nice like, like quite nicely if you do go you know 80 20 70 30 mm. whatever absolutely um Murderous to the last is obviously the key benefit that comes from a mortal. I shouldn't be calling it a mortal. I should be calling it a bloodbound. Um, if I'm running like a heavy bloodbound, talk to me about how you look at this rule. I'm going to read it out for the podcast people just because it is such a critical ability for a bloodbound army. So each time a friendly bloodbound model is slain by an attack made with a melee weapon, you can pick one enemy unit within three inches of the model and say and make a murder roll by rolling a dice. Now, there are some units that let you do multiple dice on the murder roll. So just but on average, you're looking at one. Uh, on a roll of a five plus, that unit suffers one mortal wound. And if the slain bloodbound model was a hero, you make three rolls instead of one. So there's one example of where you might roll extra dice. So when you look at this, every model that dies in combat on a roll of a five up, so one in every three, you're going to do one mortal wound. Your troops, uh, you're running on average, what, 10 models in a unit unless you're reinforcing them. So what's that, three mortal wounds, four if you you beat the average slightly. So what? So what? Four four models. Yeah, so I'd say it's a uh, four, four mortal wounds you were getting before. Um, that's my best way of looking at it. So uh, Blood Reavers is a prime example. Blood Reavers are your blood tithe machines, your little farms. That's what you want. 80 points for 10 bodies. Uh, they can dish out lots of attacks. They can just run onto objectives, do what they need to. And if they die, they die. That's fine. It is not a problem. Now what you're getting as bonus is the fact that it's a murder roll on the way out. So I'm finding... Uh, at the moment, the real bonus of a murder roll is the units that never had that interaction are getting a real 
blow up. Um, the ones that had something similar, so your Wrathmongers, your Blood Warriors, and your Skull Reapers, they all had some kind of interaction in that space before, and that is a little bit of a difference. So I would say not as good for Wrathmongers and Skull Reapers, but your Blood Warriors, it's still quite a nice little bonus because they're getting two murder rolls on that. So... Uh yeah, it, it's that sort of thing of I think um, it's it's a good role, uh, a good rule rather. Um, it's sometimes uh, not a waste of time, but I think it's one of those things where like if skull crushers are dying, you're getting one dice roll as you know as they kill a model at a time, sort of thing, and it's not really going to be detrimental to what you're doing. But if you're running lots of small bodies, so I think blood readers, you throw screens in and you're still popping more wounds on the way out and, and having a good time. So I think it's really nice little bonus for them. And as you've already mentioned, like your blood reavers are dirt cheap. So was it 80, 80, 85 points for 80 10 points, wounds, yeah. 80 yep. points, 10 wounds, 10 wounds, 10 wounds. Yeah. 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 10 wounds yeah. um you know th their attack profile improved they've got two attacks with the reaver blade now they're hitting on threes um you know like they're getting plus one to wound if they're within range of a totem 16 inches wholly within so they can they can do some damage and then in addition they do damage on the way out with the mortals and then in addition they generate blood tie so for 80 points and if you flood the board with these annoying troops like it's it and, and what I wanted to call out here is it's not specifically just the murder to the last, it's the other things that trigger off the back of it, it being your blood tie, being Correct. being in combat. Um obviously you mentioned the blood warriors, you get two rolls instead of one, which is which yeah. is also great. Yeah. When you think of let's say your blood reavers, yes. do you run like whole units of just minimum size units to generate extra blood tie? Are you reinforcing them because you want to run roll lots, lots of murder rolls at you know an elite troop? Like, how do you think about that when you're constructing a list? Yeah, look, uh, at the moment it's probably forty on average that are just units of ten um, because it's it's cheap. It's cheap to have screens. It's great to have screens with corn. Um, you're wanting to have your good units surrounded by something that's you, you're not worried about dying with and the fact that you can just move them onto objectives run them onto objectives because it doesn't even matter if they're not in combat you're wanting to you know i guess flood the table and it's something pat never did really well with with blood reavers in the past is having multiple you know screens and lines of, of troops um and i think that's probably worth looking at now in particular with your murder roll so i think it's a really nice bonus look i don't think it's a bad idea either either to run 30 of them you know, a block of 30 is not bad. It's not a bad shout. You're getting lots of murder rolls. But again, it's just what flavor you want to go for at the end of the day. And I think that's what's nice about the murderous to the last rule is it adds a little bit of an element to it where you say, do I want to lean into that? And then, you know, have the blood secreted nearby to, you know, boost those models back on a four plus. That's It's something you might want to look into. But again, there are options in that space. Yeah, that's a good call as well, right? Because you could be removing murders to the last and then pulling yourself outside of three inches of combat. So you've struck, you're now outside of combat, you've done a bunch of mortal wounds on the way out, and now you've set yourself up for a four plus rally. And then you could, you know, and then you could be using uh the the uh what's it called? Bloody it's on the next screen, murder last. Yeah, murder yes. last to get back yeah. into combat and start the Correct. process all yeah. again. Like, like there yeah. is tricks and shenanigans you can play with if you want to build into this. Mm. Mm. Uh, and the I other think that's rule, what, it's a, a good flavor. Good flavor. 
Sorry, I was just going to try to fill some air yeah. in while you you chugged your beer. <laughs> Drinking my beer, yeah. <laughs> Surprise, not a forex, mate. Come on, Gammy. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I'm letting Queensland down. Uh, at least it's not like a twoies. Like I think if you were drinking a twoies, I think you'd uh, you might be evicted out of Queensland. Yeah, I think I'd be ill if I was drinking a twoies. So that's fine. <laughs> yeah, but by the way, folks, for anyone who doesn't understand, uh, Gammy lives in a bizarro land north of me that uh, doesn't have a good taste in beer. So. Uh, not that I drink beer, let's be honest. Look, um, it's, it's, we're north of the wall if you're a Game of Thrones fan, where, you know, we're up there, we're fighting the good fight. <laughs> the other, the other, and there's, there's a massive rival between our two states. So we have a game called the State of Origin where the, our best players from both of our, our places will battle in th- a three game kind of tournament. So, uh, there's there's a lot of white here. If you're our age, then you haven't seen New South Wales win in a long time. That's really good. Get out of here! <laughs> Way we. <laughs> I mean, we start to you do want... the, the trade off. It's good time. Yeah, it's, it's good settle, time. Settle down. All right. The other rule. <laughs> the other rule is hatred of sorcery, uh, giving you a five up mortal wound. Uh, yeah, it's a five up. It's a five-up spell shrug, and obviously spell and uh, and abilities as well of endless spells. And if you do roll the five-up, you generate an extra blood tie point. And as you'll see on the next screen, there is ways to bring this down to a four-up. So uh, if you want to spend your blood tie on it, but it's a nice rule. Uh, obviously, yeah. it's only for specific armies. And now that Seraphon's come out, this might become even more important because we'll have Zinch, Lumineth, um, Seraphon, Soul Blight, as well as other magic-y type army. Gits, for example, another one that's heavy on the magic. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think it's one of those things where I was saying before the White Dwarf update was 6-plus for this, whereas now moving to a 5-plus is, uh, I see it as more of a reliable um, option now. And it's one of those things, I like it because it makes your opponent think and consider if they want to dish out spells. I've seen throwing Hexgorgeous Skulls out in the last couple of games uh, makes your opponent think if they roll a natural eight, do I want to potentially lose some six wound wizards? And it, it, and it happens more often than not. And it's that thing of that's a question to have. Then if I have two blood tithe in the point uh, in the bank, is that something to consider? What's I've found interesting for hatred of sorcery is if I get one blood tithe point from your spells going off, I'm then using metal us to get into combat with you in your, your hero phase. So it's one of those things where it is a, it probably makes your opponent think more than it makes you think, which as a corn player, that's exactly what I want. I don't want to think. I just want to move stuff across the table and hit it really hard. So for me, I'd rather my opponent consider things than me consider things. But I think it's a great rule. Yeah, and obviously, again, you're not building a list around it, but being able to, as you said, um, the first turn, especially like ranged, mortal wounds abilities people who can kind of tap you from far range you can now either use your blood tithe point to to just say no one in every three you're likely to stop um and obviously generate yourself extra blood tithe point you can spend so it's a nice ability again you're not building around it uh but it just gives you a little bit more defense and the and the six up was almost like it's not worth it but now when you when you become one in every three on a five up uh it does become much more consistent 
And, and what it does in a competitive sense as well is that the people who might read a list online, like, for example, Sylvaneth, so the, the Warsong Bomb is like a, a little bit of a, a go-to crutch sort of thing for Sylvaneth players, and that changes their tactic. And so are you getting your name for your buck as a Warsong player or are you now sitting back and saying, well, what am I going to do, try and buff myself? I know Dave Kerr running Lumineff at the moment, so he, after playing Corn, would turn into buffs, and and rather than debuffing and sending out more wounds, so he only had to play it once to go. I've got to pivot now. Not everyone has access to a techless, so it's that sort of thing of it makes players reconsider what they're doing. Which I think it, that's exactly what you want it to do, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's a psychological game, and if you if you do have that spell, you just want to say no. You've obviously got the blood tide point, which is a perfect segue, right? So every time a unit dies on the table, both yours and mine, we generate ourselves a blood tide point. As we saw as well, we just saw the, um, if we're on a five up, if you're successful, you'd also get a, a blood tie. And there are other ways to get blood tie, but the primary mechanic here is a unit dies, yours or mine, which kind of goes nicely into what we were talking about with the blood reavers. More blood reavers, cheap expendable units generating your blood tie um in your uh in your hero phase you can use uh the blood tie table that you can see here on the left you have then in the movement phase you have the blood tie table on the right so the blood tie table on the right is uh, allowing you to summon demons of corn whether it is from little heroes from the blood master all the way up to like a, a blood thirster depending on anywhere from three to ten blood tie but then you've also got these other abilities uh, where murder lust is the one that everyone uses. It's one blood tie and you get to move uh, three different blades of corn units, blah, blah, blah. They can move D6. And I'm sure Gammy's going to talk about why this is so great and why the internet is talking about it. But the tie table is more than that. You know, you can get the plus one to that hatred of sorcery to bring it to a four up. There are other things where uh, spell eater we are kind of danced around a little bit, being able to unbind a enemy spell automatically with no roll. Um, there's a lot of things you can do here, right? So, as a mortal player, talk to me about how you look at the blood tie table, both the summoning and the ability rules. Yeah, so if I go summoning first, because that's probably an easier answer, uh, it would be summoning is probably good for late game. So as you're running out of models, um, it is worth having that there because you can still uh, summon from a skull altar, which is really important. So it's that sort of thing of um, you've got it as an option there um, as stuff is dying at the end. But I would say you are really looking at the tithe table as like your bonuses to your army. Um it's one of those pause, weird pause, ones. Pause, yep, pause, yep, okay. don't, don't, don't move from the demons for a second. Mm. If you're going to summon from the demons, because obviously if I'm a mortal player, the likelihood of me having these in my toolkit are minimal at best, and I don't want to go to a tournament bringing all of these in my kitty mm. in addition to my 2K of my army. So if you were going to late game bring some bodies on, and obviously it's opponent and battle plan dependent, I get that. Are there ones that maybe you would more likely summon than others? Like, would it be the five flesh hounds? So the five flesh hounds for three BP. Yeah, look, I so I've got something like twenty bloody hounds or flesh hounds rather. So I tend to just have five of them. I've never really summoned more than that in a game um, because usually they die, and then if they're 
might even late game when those same five come back and I use them as something. But I think they're probably a really nice, you're probably not relying on getting more than five um, in a space of, unless you're really leaning into Blood Tithe, which again, not as easy to do as you think. And you're not going to murder the earth. And if you are murdering the earth, you're probably not summoning. Um, so it's one of those things where I think having five flesh hounds is great. I also think a blood master or a skull master is a really excellent shout. Um, summoning in a priest and uh, a Galician champion is a really valuable option to do as well for, for late game battle tactics if you're really struggling. If, imagine this is three months from now and we're in the new general's handbook where there's no Galatian veteran benefits. Yep. Are Bloodmaster and the Herald of Corn still as valuable? Yes, I'd say so, just because they're priests at the end of the day. And when you summon them, you get to pick a, a prayer from the table as well. So, again, if you've lost a slaughter priest or a uh, um, the new chick then it might be that you end up saying well i need a priest and you bring him back and priests are such a valuable asset in this army so i think it's really important to consider with that yeah the, 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 and we'll get to the priest law it is exceptional i remember talking to gareth and i'm like gareth what's your favorite he's like all six <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like they're absolutely. all good like i looked at them and i think it's like five out of six were hot and then yeah. one's like pretty good but maybe you don't use all the time yeah yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, um, cool. You, you've, you've answered my question. Like, just excellent. At, I mean, if I if I was starting my army and I don't have a summoning pool, get five flesh hounds. Get yourself some minor heroes like the Herald of Corn, the Bloodmaster, maybe the ten uh, blood letters. But yeah, probably saving up for like a bloodthirster, as tempting as it is. Uh, probably not. Probably not. No, no, I don't think it's it's ten blood types. Not really going to be. Uh, a reliable option it's not like other chaos armies where you get multiple options in that space of, of developing your little pool um look i'll say some real highlights of the blood type table now yes they're all great options um but as i was saying just then you're, you're not racking up a lot of blood type points unless you're getting really stuck into your opponent um and, and look there are options to lean into that as well um, but i think probably the demon side will see a lot more glass cannon-esque sort of approach and if people don't know what a glass cannon is it's that idea of hitting really hard but not being able to take a hit back um i think the mortal side plays a little bit different and you're bumping and grinding instead that's the best way to describe it so it's that idea of you you've you're solid enough that you can take a hit and you're just going to keep grinding against your opponent as opposed to uh, wiping them off the table so with that i think you're most likely going to see one or two blood tithe that's kind of where i've been sitting um as i'm losing units then or as my opponent loses units then i'm hitting about the three mark uh or four four is a really great option i love the pilot and attack i think it is it was great in the last book it's great in this book and not something to um you know shake your head at sort of thing it's that thing of the fact you can just fight um if you've got debuffs on things people can't all out defense against it it's a you're just copping attacks and and the opponent has already chosen finest hour or has declined finest hour at this point so you pull out the four Correct. they i can't all out defense they can't use any cp in the hero phase uh and then yeah you're fighting them raw so I was going to ask you about number four because one, two, and four are, are probably the standouts. Yeah. Um, yep. Like as cool as number six is being able to improve the rend characteristic, do the six units need to die to get extra rend? It's no, hard and to it's until the six. end of the turn. If, if it was until the end of the game, 
great. Um, but until the end of the turn, you're not really relying on six point tithe to do that. You're probably using the one or two or three, or you've probably done four at that point just to pile in an attack in the hero phase and, and holding on to the two for next turn sort of thing. So uh, I like the Brass Meteor. I think that was a really cool update. Um, it not it was not as reliable as it is now. So having eight dice and then rolling, um, you know, for more wounds. Uh, and then obviously you can see there with 10 or more wounds or 10 or more models you've got an add two to that so it's eight dice on a three plus model wound it's a nice little way of touching things that you can't from a distance so again a nice little bonus but i think you're right the one two four is probably you go to in the space um you can't go past metal us it's probably the one that i've been tiptoeing around we've spoken about it before it is unbelievably good i was playing it when um i first watched your stream i had this as my rules and i read it as d3 i got mixed up with the blood um the whippy boy uh so i thought it was d3 units got to move so i was like oh this is this is still pretty good now when i read it and i was like it's three units i freaked out because it's amazing such a good rule um it denies so many battle tactics for your opponent it's not funny when you learn how to use it properly it's it's a very solid solid little little option all right i want to pause you here for a second if anything's changing in this book, murder lust is the probably the top of the tree. Now, now I'm not saying Gammy that it's going to happen, but I'm looking at the book and it's the one that is just ripe for an FAQ. In in a hypothetical world, because I'm trying to future proof this particular video, at what point does this does murder lust become unusable? So, if it improved, like let's say the number went from one to X. At what point would you not use murder lust? How many uh, BP? Probably above four. Um, okay. Maybe even three. Like if they switched one and three round, I think threes. It's one of those things where movement for a combat army is key, um, and having this as an option that's not a run. It's it's basically a run and charge. Essentially, that's the best way to think about it. Is that you can use the D six, and then you're getting. Um, potentially another move with the killer instinct as well from the prayer. Um, the I think the most important thing for people to consider when playing against corn is blood type have to be used at the end of the hero phase. So it's not a um, I'm going to move, then do all my prayers, then you know, like uh, I have played an opponent the other day who thought I could use the murder lust to get into range of something and then drag in with the um bloodbind prayer and i said no, no no that's not how it works with the order of effect and then i think that's an important thing to remember is that it's a very valuable role um and a really important rule but i think it's that thing of i don't know when it becomes unplayable i would say four is probably unplayable three is cool. is still valuable that's probably the answer cool. that you yeah, it's just like a line in the sand. Like as a competitive player, and it may not change, folks. Like I'm not here to say that it's going to change, but if anything is causing the internet raw, it is the the cheapness that is murder lust for the effectiveness that you get. So maybe the other question, right, is, okay, let's say it stays at one BP, but let's say murder lust was only one unit or it was D3 uh, different Blades of Corn units. Same question, is it valuable or is it as valuable? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's still valuable with, you know, sometimes I find myself picking one unit to do it because it's the one that I want to position into getting on an objective or getting another opponent in combat who wants to get in to another unit. You know, it's that sort of thing of 
that sacrifice that you make. I don't mind if it's one. Um, my counter argument to the internet, because I love arguing with the internet, as most hobbyists do, is the corn book is what, three weeks old, four weeks old, three weeks old? Yeah. 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 yeah about three weeks old. It's played at maybe two tournaments in the last two weeks, and people have seen it do really well. Um, yes, we have. You know, and, and it has been doing well, and, and I'm not going to deny that. But I will say that the murder lust is a new rule, and if people learn to work out that it's going to be a part of the process, then they can play around it. So it's that sort of thing of, okay, I've got the potential, you know, because I might roll a one and I don't get into combat with the unit, and, you know, you you taking that risk um but it's also that ability to say okay well if he's going to use one blood tithe that's three units that are going to be moving onto an objective you still have a movement phase after that to, to play around with get out of combat if you don't want to be in combat with me you know it's not stopping you from retreating nighthawk just ignore that altogether because they go cool i'm going to retreat and charge and do what i like so it's that sort of thing of i think it's probably got the issue of being a new rule and people not um uh, prepared for it, I guess is the best way to say it. So, and and that's why I'm saying it's not. I'm not saying it's guaranteed going to change, right? Because we saw the ogres with their iron blasters. They they came out the gates and they were exceptional. They did get a point change, but also people were surprised and had to learn around it. Gits with squigs, like the mortal wounds for days. There were some points changes, but also people have now learned how to consider counter potentially not be surprised like they were the first time so mm-hmm. all i wanted to ask was basically if these change whether it is went up in the blood tithe or it went from three to one or to d3 how does the value change and it's not directly tied to the current rule even mm-hmm. at one one blood tie for one unit is still great uh if it was up to three blood tie you would still use it maybe not as frequently but you definitely yes. use it but yep. once it comes four or more, it's becoming a harder decision because you're right, you could just roll a bunch of ones and that's that's four blood tie that could have been extra units, extra abilities. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the thing is, is that uh, it being one blood tie is what probably makes it the most valuable and it's probably the thing most people are shocked by, I guess. And and it, for me, when reading the, first, the, the book for the first time, I was surprised it was only one. Um, you know, and for people who don't know, the last book, it was a CP you spent one blood tithe and you got a command point. That was it. Like there was no real people weren't using one blood tithe. Whereas now you'll see it used a lot more, which is really interesting. Talking about blood tithe, sorry, talking about murder last, just because mm. uh, again, some, some people who may not be as experienced with this book, um, you know, they go, they shrug their shoulders and go, oh, okay, they can move D6. So what? In, in your, uh, in your turn, let's talk your turn first. Then we'll talk my turn. In your turn, why does murder lust become a valuable blood tithe point to spend? Uh, so we don't have any teleports in our army. There's zero option for that. Um, and the run and charge options are also limited and you're probably not going to be in range for the um, whippy boy. I'm really having a mind blank on what his uh, name blood is. Stoker? Blood Stoker? Blood Stoker. I knew it started with blood. Um, so it's that or thing Skull of, Stoker. It could be a yeah, Skull Stoker. It could be Skull Stoker. Skull Stoker is a great name. Um, it's one of those things where I 
in my turn, I'm using it to position myself and get where I need to. I think the slower units like a Blood Warrior or Skull Reaper list, because they're movement five, you're wanting that extra movement just to get them into position and, and getting to where they need to be. Uh, if it's Skull Crushers, I find getting them really up into the opponent's grill. Um, I also have used it as a way of stopping redeploys because I know that I'm uh, three or four inches away from the opponent, so I don't need to move. Um, so again, it's that sort of thing of um, it depends on the sub faction as well. So I'm running the Skullfiend tribe for one of my armies, and their bonus is is to strike first on a roll of an eight or more for their charge. So wanting to get into combat on the Murderlust roll isn't always an option. Um, Skull crushers want the charge for their mortal wound output, so they're not really going to be looking to get into combat. Um, it's one of those things where I think it works really well. Um, it I, I find that getting into three inches of your opponent is more so in your opponent's hero phase is what you're aiming for in that space. So for mine, I think it's positioning. Um, it's also a really great little move if you're near an objective and, um, you know, if you really tie the line and, and roll out six, uh, it stops your opponent from getting an extra point potentially with a hold more if they don't get that extra you know, objective if we're looking at four objectives on the table. So, again, it's that sort of thing of I think positioning is really important. Everyone always says that movement wins games, and I think any extra movement, particularly with a combat army, um, yeah, go for it. You can reduce, obviously, your charge. Uh, the other one maybe I'll just call out is uh, Unleash Hell. It's a mm. great way to avoid Unleash Hell getting inside a three. You're not charging. Um also tying up your, and we'll get to your opponent. Actually, I'm kind of stepping into your opponent territory now. Yeah, yeah. But there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of cool things you can do with it, and uh, I guess it's the movement shenanigans and the risk mitigation. I guess is what I'm hearing. Let's talk my turn. Let's talk your yeah. opponent's turn. Why does Murderlust become valuable uh, in your in my turn? So it might be that their battle tactic is to have. Um, so, for example, it might be to hold an objective. Um, all of a sudden, you're putting more bodies onto that objective and they're really having to get into combat with you to stop that. With a mortal army, it's a little bit more reliable to, to resist that sort of attack. Um, I find moving screens in front of stuff as well really important. So uh, I've had opponents in the past where it might be this one's mine as a battle tactic where they say, I've got my big hitting general going in. Uh, that doesn't have retreat and charge and you pin it with 10 blood reavers and watch your opponent have that little moment of i'm pin it with one. Putting... Like yeah one, exactly one one within three yeah yeah and it's that sort of thing of um i've found it it's your counterplay against battle tactics which is really solid um you know tim and i had a game the other day with his slanesh and we spoke about it at the end of the game to say i could have denied him a battle tactic in turn one with his uh, mask who was three inches away from the whole army he threw a spell at me i got a blood tithe and we spoke about i used the blood tithe but i could have moved in with the blood warriors as opposed to the blood reavers which would have stopped him from getting a battle tactic which was a really cool conversation to have afterwards and it's that sort of thing of once you get the hang of it, you want your opponent to really know that there's an option there that you're going to be moving. So they're already thinking about, you know, what they're going to be doing in their movement phase. And and I think, again, that's that's a real bonus of it. Yeah, there's a lot of cool shenanigans that it brings. And, again, there's a lot that we could talk about, but it's kind of giving you a sample of why 
the internet's talking um, corn players are leveraging murder lust and i hope that if you didn't already connect those dots you now have a much better understanding of why murder lust is probably being used 10 times during the game in every turn uh mm -hmm. and why gammy is saying that you know yeah you can summon on some demons but it's a late game thing because early game you're using murder lust you're using blood eater curse uh and you know they're the two ones you're kind of constantly burning mm, yeah yeah and, and that's the thing is is that knowing that it's in your opponent's phase that's what i've always loved about blood tithe um they did take away the move or charge which was the three um so that used to be um that you could move a unit or charge them if they were in a certain range i think that's um you know obviously been replaced by murder lust and i think that's the sort of thing of the trade-off is murder lust of three units doing it as opposed to one it's one of those things where I, I like it as a change, um, but I do resent my three being gone. It's it's a killer, but that's, you know, can't have You more. can't have everything. Like, <laughs> it's got everything. Corn just wants everything. Corn. Uh, talk to me about your command traits. Obviously, we're looking purely at the Bloodbound because, hey, why are you going to take a Demon General in a Bloodbound-focused army? Absolutely. Do you like them all? Do you have archetypes where, you know, certain models are great generals because of X and because of that you're going to take certain command traits? Like where, where do you stand with these four? Uh, look, to tell you the truth, I was disappointed in these. This is probably the most disappointing part of the book for me um, just because it pigeonholes certain builds. Um, so kind of the question that you're asking. Um, diabolical purpose, you're not really throwing a lot of small heroes into other heroes um the chances Agreed. of that happening it's probably not going to be big uh look the barbarian lord's probably good if you're leaning into blood reavers um but adding one to run and charge rolls holy within 16 is probably again i don't know is it going to be super important probably not um but that's one way you kind of go if i'm not running a priest it's probably your option you're going to run um I, my first game uh, with the Lord of the Gore chosen, I was running it on a uh, uh, Skull Crusher, so Lord of Corn on Skull Crusher, um, because I thought it was adding one uh, to attacks for all Gore Tied, not Gore Chosen. chosen. Yeah, so it was one of those little heartbreaking moments where I thought, this is really cool. Why aren't people running this? And then I saw, oh, it's Gore Chosen, which is your Slaughter Priest, yeah. Realm Gore Ritualist, your Blood Secreta, Blood Stoker, um, some of the, you know, smaller army, like the Aspiring Deathbringer and, and those sorts of units, but I don't think you're going to see them to tell you the truth. And I think that's a real shame. Um, it, it's probably one of those things where it's not going to be detrimental as a command trait for you. No, and that and that leads perfectly into the battalion when we get to it, is the the one core battalion you've got is the Gore Chosen with the five minimum Gore Chosen units to get a one drop and an extra artifact. But yeah. I was so disappointed with the first off, five Gore Chosen units is potentially rough. And then when yeah. you look at like you look at the options, it's so underwhelming where you're like, why am I forcing myself to do this? Like maybe if it was reversed like three mandatory five optional but then like why am i taking up to eight i can't even yeah. take eight in a battalion like Correct. it's it's not yeah. it's not like fire slayers where you have those non-hero type like sorry sorry non-leader type yes. heroes like yeah. if that was in the book because i went looking for them i'm like oh there's none 
why why is there an eight option? I couldn't understand it. Yeah, and I think that's one of those weird things G-Dub does sometimes where they're like, here's, let's stick to the theme of eight. Um, if you read any of the War Scrolls in Corn, um, eight is the most common number, 16. You know, you've a lot of Holy Within 16s for that sort of stuff. Um, Lord of the God Chosen is really disappointing. I thought it was an extra attack for all, you know, Gortide and, and having, you know, Bloodbound as well. You know, it'd be really nice to have that. Um, because as I said earlier, we did lose a lot of the plus one attack um, bubbles that used to exist in the army. So what I'm hearing is High Priest of Corn is like your one choice <laughs> unless yeah. you dip unless you dip outside the book and you go to a universal uh, command trait like Master of Magic. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. I, yeah. Yes. Don't, I'm it, actually. It. It's, I did that on purpose. <laughs> That's it's very nice. I do like that. It's like, uh, you know, we'll just go the arcane tome as an option as well. Oh, not allowed to anymore. So it's fine. Um, yeah. Look, it's one of those things that obviously high priest of corn is your go to. Um, I do run a slaughter priest as my general. Um, what it means is, is that you miss out on a battle tactic at the end of the day because, or, or a potential battle tactic, which is this one's mine. Uh, you're probably not going to see a slaughter priest go in and kill something unless it's severely wounded. And, or, you know, you might get a lucky blood boil off, you know, it's that sort of option in that space. Um, it's one of those things where having the ability to cast two prayers is really important. And, and I really like that. If you're getting double the money, you know, it's 220 points essentially if you think about a Slaughter Priest. What's the value of a Slaughter Priest is one prayer. Let's make it two. Let's double his value. So, um, again, it's that sort of thing. It says Priest only. I think it's a bit of a shame because Firebrand in the Demon option makes you a Priest. So that would have been nice to have, you know, as an option in that space of something similar to say we're going to make you a Priest as well because it's not like Demons don't have access to Priests. So, um you know, that, that's probably my only little bit of jealousy for the demon side. And, and, and like what leads me to the question I was going to ask you, and I'm glad you mentioned Firebrand, is if I'm a corn player, maybe I want to run a Mighty Lord of Corn as my general. I've got the blood stampede in my in my idea. I run all the skull crushers, and it makes perfect sense that my general is going to be that Mighty Lord of Corn at the front. When I look at those options, like there's nothing that screams to me, mighty Lord of Corn, general command trait that yeah. like, and I think probably that's probably the missing piece for me because yeah, I probably would make Firebrand on a mighty Lord of Corn if I could. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's an interesting one because it does pigeonhole you into high priest of corn as your general when you may not want to make a priest the general. Correct, yeah. And, and I think that's why it is disappointing because that, that flavour, they've really nailed the flavour in a lot of books um, with command traits. And this one just seemed, it just missed the mark or they really wanted you to run the New Realm or Ritualist as a, a general, I don't know, maybe something in that, that thinking. Who knows? I tell you what, Unrelenting Hunter would be another good choice for the Mighty Lord of Corn. Like, you know, get it into combat. If it's forward, it's still within three. It can fight again. That's cool. That's corn. And it would work really well with the Mighty Lord of Corn. Yeah. Yeah, and it's that thing of um, we'll get to artifacts as well. It's 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 the same sort of thing. You're not really seeing an option in that space that allows you to say, "I won't run a full skull crusher army." Um, yeah. So yeah, look, uh, if you're running mortals, you're most likely going to do high priest of corn. That's that's your you go to. Would you before uh, before I go to the artifacts? Mm. Would you run a demon general 
and then just fill the rest of your points with mortals? Uh, look, it it's not a bad option. Um, it looks cool as well if you've got a big bloodthirster as your general. Um, in that sense, I would be running your firebrand as well just to get another priest. Um, or, or unrelenting hunter is also a nice one, but I think that uh, firebrand is a really nice thing to have just as a bonus priest. You can't go past it because then what you're getting is instead of the slaughter priest having two prayers, you're getting a, a bloodthirster with a prayer as well. So, you know, that, and we that, also that unlocked that battle tactic. We lo- unlocked that battle tactic you talked about because you now you've got a fighty general. Correct. Correct. And, and you know, you'd probably look at an unfettered fury as the option and, and it's a nice little neg one to hit bubble in that space, which is again, it's one of those things. that's really nice bonus. Do you lose anything by making, let's say, a bloodthirster of unfettered fury, the general, and then everything else is? I, I can't remember the conditional battle line, but does, no, does it, it's only it... uh, the mighty skull crushers wouldn't be battle line. Um, okay, because your general has to be lord of corn for it to do it. Um, but you could go, well, I'll just drop a unit of skull crushers and put in three units three. of blood reavers. <laughs> you know, and it's it, you got your minimum battle line in that space. And even if you wanted to run the Mighty Lord of Corner to General, there's no good choice for them for a command trait anyway. So, correct. correct. All right. Yeah. It's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. All right. Correct. Some, correct. Some good some good thinking either way. Either take a Bloodthirster as a General, a High Priest as your Priest General, or Mighty Lord of Corn if you want to run your Juggies. Um, but know that your command trait, you're kind of sacrificing a little. Your artifacts, you kind of alluded a little, a bit, a little bit disappointed. Um, like for me, there's probably one. They're, look, they're, they're not bad. I think it's just they're not. Um, you, you you can't combo them with command traits. Like it's just kind of they're in there as a bonus. Um, Blood Rune's probably not one that you're going to see very much, only because. It's not bad, but again, you're wanting to get your hero into combat with a hero or a monster and potentially doing a wound. Um, it's nice to get a blood tithe point, but again, you'd rather be killing the unit than hoping for the best. Um, Banner of Blood's probably the one you'll see the most if you've got a blood yeah. crater. Um, it's the one I run. Reroll charges, hollow within 16. You can't, you know, can't say that's a bad option because uh, saves you some CP. If you're running Skullfiend Tribe, you're aiming for that eight plus charge, and there's nothing like a free reroll to do that. So, um, and it's a bubble, so I think it's really good bonus. Yes. Uh, five up ward, really nice for your Mighty Lord of Mighty Lord of on Skullcrusher, only because it's a five up ward all the time, which is nice instead of against spells. Um, makes him a bit tanky. It's a nice little option. Gork Lever has been around since the first book. Um, used to be add one to rend and then sixes would do mortal wounds that reflected the damage of your weapon. So it was really nice on the old Mighty Lord, uh, Mighty Lord of Skullcrusher because he was uh, D3 damage. So he used to throw out. And, and if he rolled a six, he would count as three damage. So it'd be three mortal wounds. So it's a nice little bonus in that space. Um, this one is that you just do mortal wounds in addition to any normal damage on a wound of a six. Uh, or of a hit, sorry. So it's a unmodified hit. Um, it's not bad. Uh, some, as I said earlier, the uh, foot heroes did get better in combat. Um, the Crusher Lord also got better in combat. So it's not a bad one, but it's probably compared to Crimson Plate and Banner of Blood, you're probably not going to see it. Yeah, Banner of Blood was my first, then Crimson Plate was second. Uh, if I had a third, yeah, maybe Gore Cleaver, but I think Banner of Blood's probably my first because I probably am taking a Blood Secretor in my list. The 
the Crimson Plate will obviously keep that priest general alive a little longer, which is mm. always going to be helpful. Because, um, again, because how important prayers are to the faction. Mm. And it is that thing of with your demon artifacts right next to it. Having Argrath King of Blades is one of those things where you go, oh, it'd just be amazing to do that. Um, turning off ward saves is fantastic. So, again, you know, if we did want to run that Bloodthirster General, you've got an option in that space of having a priest who turns off ward rolls within three. And against all the death coming out, let's do it. It's not a bad shout. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, you do Halo of Blood for the strike first. Uh, like, there's so many good options there. But, yeah. Yeah. You can, and this is maybe why you don't go 100% um, bloodbound. And I'm not saying you should. I'm just saying that uh, think about your options, think about what you're giving up, and um, maybe maybe there is benefit of having a bloodthirster and then everything else um, is your, your, your bloodbound models. Hmm. Is there anything in the universals that you would use instead, considering that, you know, you're not the biggest fan of all your, your choices? Uh, so command traits, I think adding a wound to the general is not a bad one. Um, Vile and manicore? Like, would you would you do Vile and manicore for I don't know the mighty lord of corn? Yeah, look, there's. I think Universal probably has more options in that space. Um, I haven't really looked into it. I've kind of tried to stick to the book as much as possible, only because. Um, as I said, Banner of Blood, I'm running a Blood Secretor anyway. It's not a bad shout. And when I'm not running a Blood Secretor, a five-up ward is a good valuables little option in that space. So um, it is one of those things where I'm trying to stick to the book as much as possible. Um, but obviously there are some great options in the Universal um, artifacts as well. The, the, like Seed um, of Rebirth, the that sort of stuff. The Crimson Plate might become more valuable when we get out of this season where galatian veterans can be targeted so mm. uh right now you may not need it especially if you're running lots of uh like bloodbound warriors and things but yeah i think they're probably the two ones but all right let's talk about the good stuff and that yep. is probably the best page in the entire book that is your prayer law now gareth who yep. did the last video who who focused on demons basically said all six of these options were great um he had his preferences where do you stand do you think all six are great uh and if you only had x amount of priests i don't know four priests um what what are you prioritizing first okay so first is always blood sacrifice that's what you're aiming for get get a blood tithe do d3 mortal wounds um it's fun because uh they might you know cut a model and do some mortal wounds it might even be blood reavers nearby might kill three blood reavers and then Hopefully your blood secretor generates a CP and he just pops for a four plus rally on those three that die anyway. So, you know, it's a nice little little bonus. Um because oh, no, you can't no, of... no, you couldn't no no you couldn't do that because the rally would happen at the start of the turn. Yes, you would be correct. You, yeah, yes. Yeah, rally happens yeah. at the start and then you're doing you wouldn't be able to Yeah, you are correct. So uh, it, then the next turn you could rally on a four up, but it sure. is um, it's one of those things. I think blood sacrifice you're always aiming for blood tithe, and one blood tithe we saw the value of one blood tithe. I think that is your go to. Um, so even if you yeah. have no blood tithe left, you could blood sacrifice, get yourself a blood tie to then kick into murder lust. So even Correct. if you burn yeah. that to summon because you're lo losing an objective or you had to shut yeah. down with the the, the spell eater you've got a way to get a cheeky one. 
Correct. And and I think that's the thing is, is just having one is a really good option to have in that space because you might not use it in your turn. Um, if you're in a really good position, you might just wait for your opponent's turn and they know then you've got that blood tide sitting there ready to go. Um, again, mind games is always a, a little bonus. Um, Bloodbind, uh, if I go order of what I think is the most valuable, your blood sacrifice, I think then Killer Instinct's my second one. Um, I think it's a really, again, uh, movement wins games it's an option for a three for this to happen and you get a free move um you know i i cannot say how grateful like i am for any type of extra movement um because then you're doubling the the range of what a, a unit can do so it, and then obviously murder lust on top of that you can move another d6 and then you get a movement after that so you can really chug across the table with an army that's combat orientated you really want to do that so I think Killer Instinct's a fantastic option. Who do you want to put that on? Uh, so interestingly, I have done on Skull Crushers for a early um, desecrate. You know, if if I need to really chug across the table, um, otherwise it's most likely my Skull Reapers or Blood Warriors, where I just want to position them into you know center of the table and get onto the objective because you want to really be sitting there and hoping to tank objectives in that space so um you know and and sometimes your opponent might give you first turn thinking you're out of range and you you know you might explain how killer instinct works and they still say well i'm willing to take that risk and then you know you're getting reroll prayers near the skull altar so most of the time you're, you're getting that prayer through um you know, it's that nice little bonus of going, well, let's let's get a free move. And and uh, the times that I have run it, I miss it when I don't have it. So that's probably the best way to, to say why Killer Instinct is important. Um, then it's a little bit of a tie between Unholy Flames and Bronze Flesh. Plus one rend or plus one save. Um, you know, it depends. If you really, I think Bronze Flesh, you're probably leaning towards more um, because you want to stay alive. But if you want to try and get Ren 2 on most of your attacks, Unholy Flames is a really good shout as well. Uh, Skull Reapers going to Ren 2 with their Mortal Wounds in addition. They become real blenders, like they they can murder the Earth. Um, but the same thing with 20 Blood Warriors. You put them in Galician Veterans at the moment, and they can fight in two ranks, and you're getting, again, more output with their Ren 2 attacks. Winning on fours is the only problem with, with Blood Warriors. Um then Bloodbind, uh, really great option. I know a lot of competitive players overseas uh, talk about how moving units off objectives with an eight. Uh, I think it's really good, um, but 16 inches, you know, if you're a smart opponent, you just stay out of that range um, because you can't blood tithe move into it. Um, mm. You know, you might be able to do a killer instinct into range with it, but again, you're probably wanting to use killer instinct on another unit as opposed to to a slaughter priest or a, a realm Girl ritualist with bloodbind um but a, a, a really good option uh which bank curse is the one i haven't run yet um but again it's it's the one where most players say it's pretty cool i like it uh, you can't say it's bad because it's still pretty good but it's probably not out of the six options if i was limited it's the one that i wouldn't take and I haven't taken so. The the interesting part about it though is with the witch, witch bane curse, and I, I agree with your order. Um, yeah, I would probably agree with your order. Is witch bane curse has no range, mm -hmm. like it's just pick an enemy unit that's visible to the chanter. So uh, if you fly, awesome. But even if you don't mm -hmm. fly, if you've got visibility, you could like that's actually quite quite powerful. Um, 
it's in, in certain armies in addition to spell eater um as the the blood tithe table plus obviously your ability to shrug uh spells and endless spells and a five up like um being able to pop those five wound idiots on the back of the field um and if you use hex gorgeous skulls then you know you, you you're putting the fear of fear of corn into people who have the ability to cast and maybe they don't cast which yep, is a win exactly. right damned if you do Absolutely. damned if you don't Absolutely. And that's where, like, the Cygore option you were talking about earlier is also a really great shout to say, well, you've got the Witchbane Curse on this guy, then you've also got a Cygore nearby to say, you know, Witchbane Curse works if you don't successfully cast, then you're copying more wounds. And then if you do successfully cast, you're copying more wounds. So it's that sort of thing of, oh, what do I do in that space? And, yeah, whilst they're cheap, get a Cygore. <laughs> and that also might force your opponent to uh, to use heroic recovery. So their heroic action, instead of using it for a CP or a finest hour, you're forcing their hand to just keep their wizard alive because they don't have Emerald yeah. Life Swarm or you know other ways to heal. So again, forcing your opponent to make tough decisions, you're winning. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, well, as as every corn player has said, the prayer law is amazing, and I'm so glad they did what they did with it. How many how many prayers do you have in your army? Like, are you taking four priests? Are you taking the high priest to get the extra? Like, how many of these realistically are in your army? Uh, three to four is probably what you're aiming for. Um, at the moment with high priest, because he's casting two, um, I am taking the enhancement of an extra prayer. So all priests get two prayers when they take the enhancement. So it just gives you options. It just means that even though you, you're chanting one, you still have the options out of the six, which are great. Um, and having that really valuable option to say, well, you know, like my realm war ritualist is either running blood sacrifice or blood binds. So she might be cutting herself or if I really need to pull something off the objective and they're close by, then I move the mate off the objective. And it's a really um, great little combination there. And it also works well when we look at the artifact choices previously, there wasn't that many strong artifacts. So if you take warlord battalion, you don't need to go for the extra artifact, which is most people's default. Instead, Correct. you yeah. go to the enhanced prayer. So everyone can't cast two, will chant two prayers, but they will know. So they'll be have so much utility. And if that that priest that had blood sacrifice is sniped off the board, you've mm. still got another blood sacrifice somewhere else. Or, Correct. you know, like Correct. it's just the ultimate, you know, redundancy and utility. So I... I agree. I, I like that as a combination mm. as opposed to getting a five-up ward artifact because, okay, so what? Yeah, exactly. And I think the thing is is that um, we, we spoke about the corn um, battalion before, the one with the, the yeah. blood um, gore chosen. The um, gore chosen. They, yeah, blood gore chosen. Um, that's where I did start looking at that because I liked the idea of just running the corn battalion but the reality is is warlord's a better option because you've got the enhancement and then you get a cp as well so it's you know that sort of option is saying well I've, i'd rather run that than just your one drop and get an enhancement sort of option because most of the time you're not if you're not one drop you're 11 drops that's kind of my way of going with thinking is if you're not one or two just go as many as possible and and outplay your opponent with deployment yeah yeah, and you've obviously got the defenses to uh, with your ward saves and things. Or not you demons have, but yes, you've got yeah. a whole bunch of abilities to to support you, and and the movement yeah. obviously comes into play. 
All right, we got some slaughterhosts. Um, yes. These are not equal because with our mortal lens, you know, things like the Baleful Lords is just not that helpful. Obviously, if you take a demon general, different story, but, you know, with our mortal hat, um, how do you look at your six? Yeah, so obviously the bottom three there, so Gortide, Skullfiend, and Flayed. Um, this is the same as it was in the last book. The Flayed was uh, one of the ever-chosen sub-factions, so that was brought yes. into Corn with the new book, which is great. Um, same deal with the Baleful Lords. So they've had four originally, and then they've brought in six now, which is really cool. Um, it's a shame it's not eight, but, you know, can't win them all. But, but, but I just want to pull one out for Slanesh because while you brought a whole bunch in from that book, they lost all three of them. They so lost this. Yeah, them. exactly. They lost them, all of them, and the Slanesh players were salty. <laughs> Yeah, only because that's all they ran was the Lurid Hayes one. So I can see why they were disappointed with it. Um, look, I think all three are great options, personally. Um, I think the last book, a lot of people ran, well, a lot of people, me, I ran Gortide um, because it was a run and charge option for Blood Warriors and Blood Reavers. Um, and it also gave you a reroll ones to wound if you were wholly within 12 in an objective. Um, really nice little bonus. Um, I really liked Gortide. Now it's an add one to wound roll if you're attacking a unit that's contesting an objective that you don't control or if you're wholly within your enemy territory. Again, um, I like it. It's probably going to be important in the first two turns uh, when you're trying to take objectives off your opponents uh, where you're getting that real bonus, um, but it's probably the weakest out of the three. That's that's the reality for me. What's the what's the list construction like? Does this reward just any blood bound, or is it rewarding you into one particular unit type? Um, I think it's probably universal. I think most blood bound armies could play it. Um, you know, you could run it with a skull crusher list. You could run it with. Um, a blood reaver list like uh, but again blood readers you're getting plus one a wound from being near a blood secretor so it's probably um not super important but um it, it's that sort of thing if you're not really limited in wanting to build a certain way with Gortide. So, um so it's, so it's basically a universal so regardless of how you're yeah. building your blood bound everyone's going to benefit whether it's a small heroes whether it's your different types of troops so long as you're contesting objectives. Yeah, and, and Gortide's meant to be like the um, Hagner of Corn. Like they're the the ones that Corgus Cull, you know, took over the whole universe with basically. So um, they're, they're your generic sort of um, option, I guess. Uh, Skullfing Tribe, really interesting one for me. I at first did not realise this made Skull Reapers battle line. And once I saw that, I got tunnel vision and now I run a skull fiend tribe. Um, that's not the only reason why, because their little bonus is if you roll an eight plus, so it's an unmodified charge as well. So there are a lot of pluses to charge with horns and things like that in, in corn. Um, it still has to be a natural dice roll of eight or more. Um, you get the strike first ability um, for that turn, which I think is crazy good, particularly if you're getting multiple charges off. Um and I guess the idea is is that you're if you get multiple charges off, you're getting a lot of pilings before your opponent does. And, and I've seen that really benefit, um, particularly in the missions at the moment. A lot of them are mid-table. Um, so you are finding the objectives are middle of the table, so you're getting across the board and, and getting multi-charges off. 
Um, if you're running MSU Skull Reapers, uh, sorry, Skull Crushers, it's a really good option as well because you're getting Strike First with multiple units who already are doing Mortal Wounds on the charge and then getting some pile-ins and attacks and getting benefits of that as well. So I really like Skull Thing Tribe. It's one of my um, go-tos, mainly because Skull Reapers Battle Line, but that's that's just me as a personal flavour. Um, the Flayed, also a really good option, which is the five-up ward if you have been picked to fight in that phase. So, um, again, it's one of those ones where if you're running Skull Fiend Tribe and you're striking first with stuff and then you're like, that'd be cool to have a five-up ward after doing that. But um, it's that sort of thing of I think it's a really valuable option is to have that five-up ward after you've piled in. Um, it makes your opponent really think about where they're going to do activations as well, particularly if you've got multiple combats. Um, because do they want to be going into something with a two-up save and a five-up ward or a three-up save, five-up ward, um, or do they want to try and hit something that's got bronze flesh on them so they're on a two-up save already? You know, it's a, a lot of options in that space to play with. So I think Skullfiend and Flayed are probably my two that I really look into. I swear I'm paying attention to you. I the Yeah, math, yeah, no, that's the okay. Math, the, the, math, the math hammer in me we needed to see the likelihood of the eight-inch charge uh, mm. and... I it's a 41% likelihood of hitting an eight plus on 2d6 yep. um, with, without the re-roll. So then I was just quickly trying to see what I could then also find on a re-roll. So I'm sure yeah. it works out to be about some time. I haven't got the number, but I'm sure it works out anywhere from like a 60% to like 50, 55 or something. So yeah, which is why you look at that blood secreta with the re-roll charges um, hollow within 16. It's a really nice little bonus. And then if you're running the mighty Lord uh, on skull crusher, he has a command ability, which is re-roll all charges once per game for skull crushers hollow within 16 of him. So there are options for re-rolls. And I think that's where that, you know, the, yes, it might not be all the time, but it's a nice little thing when it does go off. Um, so yeah, Skullfiend and Flayed for me, they're, they're really two good options there. And Gortide is great if you if you really like Corgus Cull and you want to run him, um, then go nuts. What's the, again, similar question to I asked you with the Gortide. What's the archetype or like what's the unit construction or the choices? Like, obviously not the choices because we are going to show you a list, but what are some of the the units that benefit more with the Flayed, for example? Uh, so Flayed, I'd probably say um, this is where you could become Nurgle. That's how I see it. So you get a five-up board for piling in. Um, let's go Skull Crusher Army. So you go Flayed with them. They're rolling in. They've got a high armor save. So you're probably not losing a lot of models, even if your opponent's getting a chance to pile in. But if you've got multiple small units in combat, one unit's piling in there on a two-up, five-up board. So then your opponent's going, well, I want to attack that unit. So then you're all out defense and they get a one-up save. So there's lots of playing around with options with the Flayed. And I think Skull Crushers for me leans with the Flayed at the moment, um, mainly because they can take a hit, but then they become yeah. super resilient if they're in that space of, um, you know, using MSU in, in that sort of manner. Um, Skull Fiend, I think you you could probably run a Skull Crusher army as well, but then you're also wanting to do probably a mixed arms. Um, but I also like, you know, uh, Blood Warrior unit with a five-up ward after piling in an attack. You can't, you know, that's that's something to think about as well. So, again, it's that sort of thing of um, I think both of those sub-factions, you can run some really good mixed arms with them. Is it counterintuitive, though, to have a five-up ward on, like, your Blood Warriors or your Blood Reavers who you're buying because they also do mortals on the way out? 
Yeah, I think probably Blood Reavers, yes. Um, Blood Warriors, I really like them to hang around. I'd prefer them to be getting as many attacks as possible, um, make him really tanky. 20 models on an objective makes it really... Like, your opponent's then putting resources into them. So I've seen in the last few games a lot of my opponents have had to throw everything into the 20 Blood Warriors. Adding a 5-up board to that means that they're probably not going to wipe them off the table and... and they're really struggling with that bounce back as well with those those mortal wounds on the motor roll. Yeah, because your blood warriors now went to a three plus save. Uh, so obviously you can put like you know your your um, bronze flesh and you know all that defense stuff as well. But three up save, five up ward. If they've been picked to fight, so you're going to have to choose them first. Uh, otherwise, your opponent when they strike you will get around the five up ward. Yeah. Um, yeah. That might combine nicely with the, is it. What's the Glacian Veteran one where if a hero strikes, then you can immediately strike with another unit? So Yeah, the like the bodyguard one, I think it's called. Yeah, the, that, that, the battalion that, bodyguard. That, yeah. That that could be a little combination. But either way, like if you want to be tapping into the five up, you're gonna have to to be pick okay. I think we get the point, right? Like Blood Reavers, probably not so beneficial. Yep. Blood Warriors and your, your your skull crushers, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I think the other thing that's I haven't spoken about with Blood Warriors is if you run the Gorfists on them, they're getting a natural six on their save, gives a mortal wound to you as well. So it's just mortal wounds back to you for wanting to attack. And so it makes your opponent think twice about attacking you if they're on a five up ward, um, two up save, sixes of mortals. Then when they die, two rolls for a five plus two mortals. Like it can be, it can stack up pretty nicely with, with Blood Warriors. I've seen a lot of opponents quite deflated after a combat phase with blood warriors, which is good. But just to call out the blood warriors did lose the fight on death. So if you did use them in they the past, did, they yeah. used to, so, so you don't get to double dip on mortals on the way out and fighting. It's yeah. now just yeah. <laughs> imagine that. Like, that would be oh, brutal. What a time to be alive. That'd be amazing. Oh my gosh. Um, You've got, so I'm, I'm not going to talk about the Gore go, Chosen because we, mm. we have acknowledged that there is no world that we're running the Gore Chosen right now. Um, maybe if a bunch of these heroes, let's say the aspiring Deathbringer was a hero but not a leader like they have in Fire Slayers, maybe I'm now considering this, but while they're all leader choices, probably, and if I'm running maybe like a 3K or 5K army, like I'm having fun with my mate, yeah, but otherwise yeah. at a 2K tournament, probably not. Yeah, you're not going to see it. No, no. Um, yeah. Grand Strats? Yeah, no, yeah cool. I, yeah, I think we'd be uh, not yet, but we, 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 we both agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, Grand Strats, I think probably the only one that you'll see is Bring Me a Worthy Skull. Um, it's probably the only one that I think would be available. Disciples of Carnage, I haven't got four battle tactics from Corn yet. Um, I hate that. I hate those. I, I hate every book that has this type of rule because yeah. it just restricts you from a general's handbook. And I don't know if they're setting up a world where there's no battle tactics and grand strategies mm -hmm. in general's handbooks. But right now, I hate the restriction in competitive play because I don't want to get to a point where it's like I failed my grand strategy because I had to do desecrate because it was yeah. my only option. Mm -hmm. And I've now lost three points. Correct. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is it, it really restricts you. The other two, like the Blood Legions March, you have to summon every turn after the second. And again, we spoke about before. Um, after, the yeah. after the first. So from yes, the second. Yeah. So Sorry. Second, yeah, third, from the fourth, second. Yeah. Yeah. So it's four it's summons you need to do. 
Correct. And it means you're wasting a blood tithe on summons as opposed to the bonuses of blood tithe, unless you're generating six a turn somehow, like some madman, but um, you never know. Uh, same thing with Reek the Blood Tithe. Um, I'm using Murderlust pretty much every turn in my opponents and yours. So, you know, it's if that one saying that you're not going to use the same Blood Tithe award twice. <laughs> like, it's just very unrealistic it restricts you again um so i'd say that's why bring where this skull is probably the only option on that in that space there yeah, and it's pretty agree. cool one. it's fun but yeah it's again that idea of saying i've got to try and kill your general and then yours stay alive it's it's a tough one yeah i mean if you take the bloodthirster as a general then it makes mm. it a bit easier but yeah when you're dealing with you know reduced well, i mean if even the mighty lord of corn like that might be okay, but again, mm. you're setting yourself up for a tough grand strat. Yeah, and if you can't reach your opponent's hero that they pick, then it becomes really difficult as well. Like, you know, can you pull down an Archeon? Can you pull down a Teclas with his five-up bubble or his ward? It mm. uh, yeah. becomes difficult. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What about your battle tactics? Where do you stand? And we don't have to go through each of them, but um, mm. maybe the question I have for you is how do you rank them? Um, like, yep. I, I, is it, is it as a, sorry, not at, how do you rank them? Like, how do you rank the overall battle tactics? Are, are they good, achievable? Are they hot garbage somewhere in the middle? And are there ones that you uh, use more than others or, you know, certain situations that come up more often? Yeah, um, I think they're very achievable. Um, I don't think they're a awful option. Um, I think you have to pick the order really carefully in how you do it. So, um, for example, like the skull altar where you place that is something to consider as well because there is the battle tactics picking unit within eight of your skull altar. Really cool one um, because they might want to try and deny you uh, summoning like game. So, you know, it's an option if they've got a shitty unit sitting there that you can try and take it off. Um, the wizard hero, not a bad one. Slain sorcerer, always not a bad one there. Trial of Skulls, you really hope you've got a hitty unit to do that, but I do like that one. So you have to just kill eight more, eight or more enemy models with that unit. So it's a nice little bonus one to have. Um, but again, sometimes your opponent knows that, so they'll redeploy to try and avoid that unit or they just all out defense and you can't get through what they need to. You know, But a unit of Skull Reapers usually gets that for me, which is really nice. Um I really like the No Cowards Among Us one for a late game. Um, if your opponent doesn't have CP and can't uh, redeploy, you can get your whole army within eight of enemy units. Um, I've used that one really late game in a couple of clutch moments just to, to get you know my four models left on the table, just all surrounded one model, and that gets me the battle tactic for what I needed, which was really nice. Um, and again, the same thing with the battlefield runs red is a nice one, but four or more units being destroyed is a pretty tough. It's a tough one to get with with mortals, I think. What about leave none standing? We didn't mention that one. Yeah, sorry, I do like leave none standing. I think it's um, there's a similar one in Soul Blight where I think it's like opposite though. They have the grasping hands where the Soul Blight says if you're within three, you have to be within three by the end of the the turn. This one is if you're within three at the start of the um, battle of uh, the combat phase, it means there's no enemy units within three of that. Now, <laughs> pardon me, it is saying that it's the unit has to fight in the combat phase, so you can't just retreat. <laughs> so they did really clarify that you don't just retreat out and be like, cool, I got the battle tactic because it's not going to retreat that way. But um, it doesn't say that it has to be your 
um, units killing that unit though. So that's a nice little bonus there. So they just have to start within within combat, then get yep. out of combat because the unit's dead, not because they've Correct. retreated. Correct. Yeah. 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 So it's very, very likely. Yeah. Very. It's very. It's very achievable. Exactly. Yeah, so I think they're achievable. Um, they're, you know, obviously the um, the GHB has some options in there that you want to run, um, whether it's, a, you know, eye for an eye or um, even just kind a couple of Galician champions ones. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, so I think it's they're great for if you're running short and you need to, can, you know, get creative. Um, and that's what I like is they are very themey. They're like super themey. Kill a wizard, kill stuff in combat kill something near the skull also like it, it all makes sense to me there's nothing there that's like you know become a wizard or you know it's not a fire slayers where you have chant three prayers for a turn or whatever it is you know like it i, I like it i think they're really well designed I, I will say there's one really big benefit to me versus some of the other battle tomes i've previewed and that is it's not restricted to demons or or bloodbound a lot of them do have like a bloodbound unit has to do this or a you know like a very specific type of keyword yours is just blades of corn so it opens you to both sides and um that's really flexible that's incredibly yeah. flexible compared to some of the other books skaven's Absolutely. looking at you hating your guts because <laughs> it's all tied to like master clan you're like oh, yeah. man like yeah there's a clan yeah. rat hot garbage yeah absolutely no i get that <laughs> Before we get into your list and uh, people who are listening, I'm sure you know, hopefully you got a lot of a lot of value from this discussion so far. You you have a new unit which is the Realm Gore Ritualist. I'm I'm sure by now you've looked at the War Scroll. Maybe you've picked up the model. Um, it's amazing how many people I've spoken to. Like, yeah, I love this guy. I'm like, it's a it's a chick. Like, look at the chick. look it's at the legs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look <laughs> at the legs. It's definitely a woman. Like, it's yeah. it's and I love it. Um, and I can't wait to see people. Like, I've seen some really cool kits uh, so far. But talk to me about this particular model. And um, do you like it? Do you run it? Do you run multiples of it because it isn't a unique hero? And um, how do you think about it? Because obviously when I talk to Gareth, Gareth's like, this is a great model, but because I don't run Bloodbound, I lose the desecrating blood runes. Like the the value isn't quite there for me. So yep. um, not to say he, he didn't like it. He was just like, I'm only getting X amount of benefit from yep. it. But you as a mortal player, you get my point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, overall, I think she's great. Um, Hundred points for a wizard uh, for a priest. Sorry, you can't go wrong with that. Um, no. Her personal prayer is really good as well. So reducing a unit's attacks by one. Um, really nice little bonus. I haven't used that yet, but it is nice against um, some really hard hitting armies out there. You know, like even a, I think as a Sylvaneth player, like rolling in with my um, scythe hunters. If I'm reduced by an attack on all those scythe hunters, it does mathematically impact on their damage output so it's something to consider in that space and you can't stop it it's not like a wizard where you can unbind so that's a really important thing to consider with corn um she is cheaper than a slaughter priest but she doesn't have an unbind so that's probably the only difference she also has fewer wounds than a slaughter priest as well um but her bonus is the blood rune ability so i really like this this is I've played Slanesh for the last four games and Slanesh getting the neg one to hit after their seven depravity or whatever it is, is really hard to get through as a corn army. Um, this is a good counter to that. 
Um, it means you're not spending CP on all-out attack. It's a really nice bubble, so where you've got an objective or a terrain piece, um, and you scratch it at the end of the movement phase, and basically every corn unit, uh, it's blood-bound units. So that's why it's good for, for um, uh, your mortal side of things. Uh, so it's all blood-bound units, wholly within eight of that objective or terrain feature, get plus one to hit. So, um, you know, as a, as a mortal army, I think it's a really great bonus. Um, I'm only running one of her at the moment. I did have an army with two in, um, and potentially using like Drom as a, as a filling, um, because he's a really cool model that kind of suits the aesthetic as well. Um, but at the moment I've got a couple of sort of priests and one of her in there just as a nice little bonus to have. You answered partial my question. I was going to ask you a couple of questions it was one, are you taking her? And the answer is yes. <laughs> The second question is, are you taking multiples of her? And the answer is no. Uh, obviously, you could, but you, you are trading off a little bit. Yeah. The, the third question is, are you making her the general? Uh, no, no. I don't think she's survival enough to be a general. Um, she obviously can hide next to um, your Babylon units, and that's fine. Um, but what I'm tending to do with her is wanting to get her up the table to scratch an objective or terrain piece. So she actually has to be in a pretty dangerous position to do that. Um, she surprisingly hits like a freight train with her combat. So it's one of those weird attacks where it's one attack threes and threes, but it's ran two damage D6 and it really throws you when you're, you know, like I'm reading the card out and I'm saying to my opponent, okay, let's, you know, one attack. Maybe she's near Wrathmongers, okay, two attacks. Maybe the Blood Secretors drop the banner and she's near Wrathmongers at three attacks at red two damage D6. She's usually near the objective or train that she's scratched. Correct. So she's sitting on so twos. It's, so, yeah, you know, it's, it, it kind of pays off really nicely. And it's one of those things where I've been really surprised with her going, oh, here's 3D6 damage rolling out at a, a unit and, it, for me, it's a nice surprise. Um, it's probably not something that I'd lean into all the time, but it is one of those things where you go, hey, that's pretty cool. Nothing to complain about in that space. And most people would underestimate the priest. Like when you see a wizard going in, you're like, all right, cool. You get one attack. You might do D3 damage. So what? But then when you look at like, yeah, you scratch the, scratch the objective. You're hitting on twos, Ren minus two for D6 damage. Yeah. Uh, then add, you know, if you happen to have the plus one attack, you know, auras or whatever, then that's that's mm. pretty risky. That's a it's very dangerous model. Yeah, and, and you know, it's a good time. It, it's just a lot of fun seeing a little little priest just start carving people up with a ritual dagger. So yeah, look, she's she's um, a, a good unit. I do like her as a add into the army. Yeah, I, I would take one of her and I would definitely make sure, yeah, but I wouldn't make her a general. You're right. Uh, just not survivable enough and losing her because you're right. You want to be in the thick of things on objectives. You you don't want to lose your general. There's obviously a lot of knock-on effects off the back of that, but. Yeah, yeah. So, Gammy, we are now at your your two lists. So we've talked like almost for two hours now, just kind of unpacking your thoughts and how we look at the army and the units and the combinations. But now we're going to bring it to life here. So there are two examples, the first one being the flayed. Uh, take what's theirs. Tri the triumph is inspired. The units you've got is the Lord of Corn on Juggernaut, which is the general heroic stature and the Crimson Plate. You have the Slaughter Priest with Killer Instinct, a Slaughter Priest with Unholy Flames, a Realm Gore Ritualist with Blood Sacrifice, and in the current season, it would be the Aspect of the Champion with Tunnel Master. Love that. 
You have six Mighty Skull Crushers with the Blood Glaive, six Mighty Skull Crushers with the Blood Glaive. You've already mentioned in the past it's because you've modeled them, you prefer <laughs> yep. the ensorcelled axes, but yes. uh, that's where you're at. Uh, speaking yep. of ensorcelled axes, you have three units of three Mighty Skull Crushers with the ensorcelled axes. Uh, you have Hex Gorgeous Skulls and the Bleeding Icon coming in in a two-drop, 131 wound, 1980-point list battle regiment. So the only thing not in the battle reg would be the Realm Gore Ritualist. Ritualist, which... correct, yeah. Interesting. Why Why that one? Uh, look, she's one that I can kind of put her where I need to, and then she gets the Tunnel Master anyway. So it was just kind of, it's make an option. She sticks out as one that could be different. So she just didn't want to come to the party of Skull Crushers. So that's kind of my thinking in that space. Um, if I could run three sub-commanders in Battle Reg, yeah. Knowledge, but yeah, <laughs> so yeah. That, that's the real yeah. thinking behind it there. Um Look, it is uh, obviously leaning heavily into a particular theme. Um, we spoke about the flayed earlier about the five-up ward, and that's my thinking in this army is let's make you as resilient as Nurgle um, and let's, you know, have an average save of two-plus on the on the table. Um, if I start with my general, uh, obviously it has to be the Lord of Corn to unlock Battleline for Skullcrushers. Um we spoke obviously earlier about the command traits. Heroic stature just makes him plus one wound, uh, plus one wound rather. So he is nine wounds instead of eight, um, which makes him, you know, <laughs> nothing to to laugh at. He is a general on a two plus save with nine wounds, uh, and he has a five up ward naturally with the crimson plate. So he is very tanky. Again, let's go corn baby. It's a good time. Um, then we've got the three priests. Uh, obviously, we were talking before about the role that priests play. Uh, Killer Instinct for the extra move, Unholy Flames for extra rend, and Blood Sacrifice for a blood tithe. Uh, what I'd end up doing with the Rungor Ritualist is she's most likely cutting herself or one of the Slaughter Priests um, just because the Mortal Wounds into Skull Crushers, not bad, but there's no way of healing them, so I don't really want to be doing that, and I can get some heroic um, actions of heals if I need to and cutting myself. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty simple but a lot of fun in the sense that it's pushed 21 skull crushers across the table, 22 with the Lord, um, you know, flood the table. You know, the base sizes are massive for skull crushers, so it is that sort of sense of the gravitas of putting down that, that army. It does put that fear of that moment for the opponent to say, okay, what does this army do? Um, if I had the banners, then I would break this army into seven units of three. Um Skull crushes just for the sense that running units of sixes only benefit really is your prayers obviously um, being buffed and then um, like an all-out attack or all-out defense. Um, you're obviously getting more value in that sense. Um, but really at the end of the day, you could do all of them as units of three if you wanted to, to build this army a little bit differently. Um, and the skulls and the icon because uh, I think it's kind of like your Swiss army knife option there. Um, if you're not coming up against armies that are running wizards, great. Then don't take the skulls. Uh, you know, don't throw them out. If you're coming up against OBR, don't throw the icon out because they're not getting battle shock. So it's that sort of thing of um, you've just got options in that space, and it's 90 points. You know, it's um, if I really wanted to, uh, it could be 110 points, which I put another sword of priest in. But I just like the flavor of having those um, those prayers in there as well. So yeah. It's pretty straightforward. 
And obviously the skull altar uh, had a change as well, where um, when your priest is garrisoned on the terrain feature, it's going to double the range of those invocations too. So um, I can't remember what the ranges are, but that that does make it uh, a lot better to either, yeah, deny battle shock and get really into the meat or, uh, you know, start popping wizards. And because they're both um, invocations, uh, a lot of armies don't have the ability to interact and remove them, so um, which is another great, yeah. great tool. Yeah, and it is that thing of the time they disappear is when they proc off and do what they need to, which is great. So, um, yeah, look, it's um, I, this is an army I actually want to run after a tournament that I'm going to this weekend, so I'll be using it and I'll let you know how it goes uh, in in action um i'm excited to run it and the good thing about this army is you could run it in skullfiend tribe you could run it in gortite if you like um just for some different flavors to try and get those bonuses out this is like a corn sons of behemoth army like yeah you don't count as 20 on an objective but you're this this big area of meat that just sits there takes damage grinds it out and should hopefully grind you out better and as gammy's already mentioned as well if you wanted to not run the juggy corn uh, as the general, you just pick someone else and you'd have to drop three of those skull crushers and make it three uh, blood warriors. No, no, blood warriors. Blood reavers. Three units of, th- uh, of, of blood reavers and you're now battle line compliant. Correct. And it is one of those things where I considered even dropping the hex squad of skulls and icon and chucking in a blood secretor. And he just sits at the back of the table and once per game drops his standard and everyone gets an extra attack. Um, it, it's, you know, just some different ways to, to play it. But um, the interesting thing about this army is is because they're five wound models, they all count as two models each. So it's actually 42 models on the table, essentially, is a good way of thinking about it. So, um, you know, a lot of armies don't start with that many models, um, you know, just base. And so let alone having a two-up save and a five-up ward. So, yeah, it's a two-drop. So you're in that good range of potentially getting who, who gets to go first and second. Um, and, you know, if you're going first against this army, what do you do? Like, do you sit on objectives and push screens up and hope for the best, but then you give me blood tithe to then move into range and have a great time. The only thing that's obviously the weakness is, is that the Galician veteran or champions are just sitting out, you know, waving because there's three dudes on foot saying we'll catch up later whilst the whole army rush, rushes ahead sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, Let, it's a lot of fun. Let's be, let's be real. How many opponents are going to go for those slaughter priests when there is, like, 20 sc- mighty skull crushers coming for my face? Correct, correct. So, yeah, look, it's um, one of those armies where if you if you like one more scroll, great, good on you. So it's um, – but, again – comes from a place of what i originally collected corn from and it's a good time that you can actually run it as an army again which is really cool yeah and it's obviously like we're not saying here that this is the list um and we've already talked a couple of examples where you might drop some of these heroes or drop the six uh muddy skull crushers put in scarbrand you know bring some offense to the party or you know do do some things but it's just an example of how you brought a mighty skull crusher list to life the other list uh, being a little bit different. It's not just mm. Mighty Skull Crushers again. Uh, this is a Skull Fiend tribe. So we've got a Slaughter Priest, which is a general high priest of corn for the extra prayer. 
Um, you've gone in with a warlord battalion for extra prayers. So you'll notice there, folks, if, and this has happened to me in the past, like, how this person get two spells? It's because mm -hmm. warlord battalion, they've chosen the extra enhancement. So the slaughter priest has bronze flesh and unholy flames. There is a realm gore ritualist, which has blood sacrifice and killer instinct. You've got a blood secreta with the banner of blood, and it's the aspect of the champion in the current season with stubborn as a rhinox. You've also got a Blood Stoker, 20 Blood Warriors, three, two units of three Mighty Skull Crushers, 10 Skull Reavers, 10 Blood Reavers, two Skull Cannons, and Hex Gorgeous Skulls. Whenever I think of Skull Cannons, I never forget the Face Hammer preview in the second edition book, where for like a brief two weeks, Wrathmongers could buff skull cannons. Yes. Yeah. The, yeah. And so the amount of internet purchases, like I want four skull cannons. It was the, it was insane for two weeks yeah. and then it was quickly nerfed. And then those same buy and sell pages, like I have skull cannons to sell. Yeah. Skull cannons. Anyone wants skull cannons? Yeah. Look, it's um, obviously we spoke at the start of the video about whether mixing in demons is a good idea or not. Um, Interesting with this list is this is one that I've been playing around with for um, some tournaments. Um, even from what I sent to you, it's changed briefly as well, just in the sense of just some options in that space. The 140 points with the Skull Cannon. Um, I have only been running one at the moment, and it, it's playing its role of just shooting what it needs to and, and being annoying. Um, two, I think, provides a really good option for your damage output and, and you know, Obviously, having the the reach that you need that you lack with a with a corn army. Um, look, the thinking behind it is Skullfiend Tribe. Obviously, for the Strike First ability, this is where I guess for units on foot, it's going to play a little bit more of a role because you're really wanting to to hope to get those big charges off and then get benefits running those charges as well. Um, so, what you'll probably notice is is that I've only got two priests. Um, that I think is a little bit of a weakness to the army is because you're obviously wanting to get as much of the prayers off as possible. And you can see there blonde, uh, bronze flesh, unholy flames on the slaughter priest who's chanting two prayers um, and then blood sacrifice or killer instinct from the rumble ritualist. So it's probably one of those tough ones where she's wanting to get blood sacrifice, but she's also wanting killer instinct for the extra move as well. But again, it's probably your choices in what you do there um, and your order of effect sort of thing. Um, Bloodstoker for run and charge. Can't deny that for, you know, dudes on foot. It's a really good time. So he picks D3 units at the start of the movement phase. One thing that I kind of discovered after playing a few times is that um, the order of uh, actions with him is really tough if you're using murder lust and then you're moving stuff out of range of the three inches for his whip. So it's kind of really important where you deploy him. Um but the 20 Blood Warriors, I, I love to death. They have been such a joy to run. Um, and what I actually do with the Blood Warriors and Blood Reavers is put them in Galician Veterans usually so that you can get two ranks to fight. Um, and it's that sort of thing of having a real solid core. You'll see that obviously the core of the army is the 10 Skull Reapers, the 20 Blood Warriors. Uh, and what I tend to do is the Mighty Skull Crushers go up the flanks, do what they need to push up on those objectives, put some pressure on your opponent. Meanwhile, you have the 30 bodies moving up the table with two Skull Cannons on either side of them, um, you know, moving up and doing what they need to. So uh, Hex Squadron Skulls, uh, 
you know, it could be an icon if I wanted it to be, but um, I think they're a really great option. And 50 points, you know, if you're not using them, it's 50 points. You're not really feeling the pinch of that at all. No, and obviously it's a meta choice, right? Like if the meta swings more to hordes, then you go to the icon. Right now, probably with Seraphon, I can probably see why you'd go the Hex Gorges a little bit more, but mm. obviously the points values are similar, so it's an easy swap out. Uh, one burning question I have for this particular list is you mentioned 20 Blood Warriors being valuable right now because of mm. the Galatian Veteran uh, Champion ability. Um, yep. the battalion, yep. let's say it's next season and there's no benefit. Would you still run 20 or would you split them into two tens or would you just drop, drop them to 10 and not I, I'd split, split them into else? two tens. Yeah. I'd, I'd make them two tens. I think blood warriors are really valuable now. And um, what it means is, is that I make those two units a 10 and then the blood reavers get dropped and that's 80 points, you know, hundred points with the points left over there to add in another Rumble ritualist if I want for a priest. So I think there's not too much in the loss of 20 blood warriors. I just like the idea of a big block of dudes sitting on the table. Um, but again, yeah, I, it's more blood tithe, it's better rolls, you know. I think it was more the value of the tw the block of 20. Like, is the value tied to the ability to strike in two ranks, essentially? And if that wasn't there, did a 20, did a 22 slap? So does a 20 still slap? Like, we've talked about the redundancy of having six Mighty Skull Crushers. You're like, well, the value's still there for me. Yeah. Yeah, look, I still think the value is there because you're getting buffs from the priests. So you're putting an extra save on them or you're putting an extra rend on them um, and then you're doing an all-out attack or all-out defense. I still think the ability with the CP and then your your prayers are also really valuable in a unit of 20. So um, if you're not fighting in two ranks, I still think you could honeycomb to still get some dudes fighting in, in combat anyway. So it's not too bad of a change in that space. No, and I guess the benefit is, you, like you said, you can literally just swap them out and um, and just do two units of 10. Correct. I've got some burning final questions. I put out on Facebook and Discord uh, asking questions, and boy, oh, boy, are you the, <laughs> basically the new king of England. The amount of questions, basically, I always wanted to just leave the Facebook group because uh, you were popular. So I'm going to I'm gonna burn through these questions. Sure. And some of them we might have already acknowledged. Um, so just acknowledge that I'm calling your name out. But otherwise... Um, <laughs> We'll see what we can give you. So Aiden Lee saying, how does the rend minus four to minus six exalted death bringer with a spear fit into a list? And is it worth bringing him? I've had a lot of success with him, but I prefer to hear professional. So you're on the, you're, you're asking the wrong people here. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, exactly. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but, so, but yeah, so like what's the value of the exalted death bringer with a spear? If we're generating some ridiculous rend and is it something you'd bring? It's not in either of your lists. Look, I, I really like him as a, a model. Um, I also like him as the getting the bonuses with that rend and also his extra attacks as well when he's not near other generals and things like that. Like he's, he's always been okay. Um, personally, I think if you like him, then run him. Um, he's blood type point if he dies, um, but he's still a five wound, five up save. You know, he's not super reliable in, in staying around. Um, but he's also a cool little model to just 
pinwheel up and and hit something with a, a Ren four Ren six attack. So you know, it, he's he's one of those things where people go, oh, what does that do? But um, he's probably not worth being in every list. But if you if you've got points to spare, then great, chuck him in. Otherwise, put ten blood reavers in. That's my advice. Chase Price asked like a million questions. Uh, we've kind of acknowledged them already. So he asked about yeah. you know. How often are you using murder lust and why is it every turn? Well, I think we've already talked about that. Yeah. He asked a couple of other questions. We've already acknowledged the firebrand on the Thurstar. Yeah. But maybe one I'll call out, and because it already features in one of your lists, was Skull Cannons uh, 2 or 3. And you've actually said 1 has been valuable enough. So um, is, is that kind of what I'm hearing? It's like 1 to 2 is good. 3 might be a bit too much. Look, I think for their price, you can run three and and be okay with it. 140 points for a, a Skull Cannon's not bad. Um, and I see him as like a pseudo uh, Bloodthirster with their attacks. So four, four shots at threes and threes, Ren two damage D3. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's nothing to to worry about in the sense of are you getting bang for buck? Because I think two's great. I think three's excellent. Um, but one's also good. You know, it just depends on your list and what you're building around in that space. So, um, yeah, I think both are great options. Sean uh, McNamara had asked a couple of really good questions, but I'll call out the one that I like the most, which is what is the best hammer unit for mortals? Which is a fascinating uh, one because we talk about like the skull, cr the skull crushers and they are a great hammer uh, anvil, but they're not the best hammer and hammer being no. our damage dealer, if anyone doesn't know the terminology. So what would be a great da damage dealing unit for more? Uh, look, I think probably you're looking at the Skull Reapers. Um, I found because they're doing mortal wounds in addition and you can buff them up to be Ren 2, there's not a lot of high damage. Um, what you'll find is it's lots of attacks and lots of rend, but not a lot of damage being put out. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing, um, but you're wanting to try and get as many attacks as possible. So I was running Wrathmongers for a little bit next to the Skull Reapers, but I found with all the movement shenanigans, they just weren't getting the bang for the buck they used to. Um, and your Blood Scrater is obviously once per game now. So it's one of those things where um, I think Skull Crushers can still play a role in that, but I think your Skull Reapers are probably more likely going to be more consistent. Blood Warriors are nice, but they're not really going to do the damage output at fours to wound. And as soon as you cop a neg one to wound, you're, you're in a lot of trouble with Blood Warriors. So I think Skull Reapers is my answer to that one. Friend of the channel and uh, cracking corn player, uh, Konstantinos Kellos asking, Kellos asking, and this is an interesting one because uh, he has he's a very smart corn player and asked an interesting one that we haven't spoken about. And uh, the question around, well, it's actually less of a question, but more something that he said was, I personally need a TED talk about Wrathmongers and how their Schrodinger's corn unit being both important and useless at the same time. Now, the Wrathmonger did not feature in either of your lists. So am I taking that it is more of the useless to you than important, or is it because you are mortal that it's not as valuable? Because I always see, like, Wrathmongers buff, buff, buffing up um, uh, Bloodthirsters and Scarbrand, and, like, that's, that's how I've always traditionally seen them being used. But what's your thoughts on that statement? Look, they they definitely feel like the the go to. Like you've always got to have Wrathmongers. I had them in my list up until this weekend, so they've sat in the army and done absolutely nothing. So it is one of those things where I think, in theory, you say, "Wow, cool, plus one attack to Holy within eight. 
we no longer get plus one attack for, for buffs that are consistent, so you're wanting to get the benefit of it. But 140 points turns into a Skull Cannon for me, and that's where I, I just look at that trade-off, and it's a damage from distance, or it's potentially getting an extra attack and trying to keep up with everything. What you end up doing is you're just running with the Wrathmongers the whole time, and they're literally chasing a run round with their chains, saying, can we give you a buff? But Holy Within 8's really hard to stay in range with. Um, so I would say put them on the shelf, let them watch on from a distance. And if you really want to lean into them like uh, uh, a couple of people in England were doing, go 10 of them and have them have a wild time and be a hammer unit if you want to. So Because you can still do a fair bit of damage with them. They've got a plus one to hit naturally now. So it used to be on the charge, it was plus one to hit. Um, and they were hitting on fours all the time. So now it's just threes. And they dish out mortal wounds if you roll a hit, uh, hit of one against them. Um, cool. But again, it's that sort of thing of um, if you want to lean into 10 of them, go nuts, but otherwise leave them at home. I'm just looking through all the questions and I think we've acknowledged a lot of them. I can see like, you know, Christian Martin asking about skull crusher armies yep. um, talked about like the skull crusher army with, with Scarbrand uh, and a fury and, you know, some people asking about like how many heroes. So we, I think we've acknowledged a lot of these questions and uh, yep. while I'm not mentioning your names directly, people, it looks like, um, we've kind of gone through a lot of these Um maybe the one, uh, there's probably two more that I just wanted to call out is Zermongul um, asking, do you think Archeon or, I mean, you've already, we've already talked coalition, but mm -hmm. we haven't talked, like, we haven't talked Archeon. Um, and there was a time, and I know the sub faction has gone and completely changed where Archeon was such an important piece to, uh, I, I, was the what was the sub faction Archeon double it was fighting reapers. yeah here you reapers, reapers of vengeance, vengeance. yeah that's yeah. it reapers of vengeance yeah. i remember um where do where does Archeon stand now in uh in corn as a coalition model um i haven't really thought about him to tell you the truth i think he's a lot of points to put into an army um i think he does a good job i don't know if he uh plays the role that we need him to can he be coalition because he's wizard keyword Mm, that's a good question. Surely they surely they're not going to stop him because he's a war master as well. He's a war master, so surely he can come in. We'll have to check the tapes. We'll have to check the yeah, tapes. Surely yeah. the intention <laughs> is for Archeon to be in corn, but because I think that's what everyone initially went, hang on a second, we're not allowed to have wizards, and he is a wizard yeah. So um oh. Look, if, surely the intention is to have let, let's assume he can be. Let's there. say we'll he can be. Tapes. Yeah, let's we'll check the tapes, folks. Don't um, actually me like we, we'll have to look at the rules, but I, yeah. I would assume the intention is that they want Archeon in every type of build. Let's assume he can. Would okay, you take so it? let's assume that we can. Uh, I'd say no, I'd put Scarbrand in instead, um, and he's cheaper, but it's that sort of thing. Of I think, uh, depends on what role you want him to play, and I don't know what Archeon plays in the sense of um. A corn army like i think he you know in reapers he was always double piling in and trying to you know sort of ages off you know king hit people do all that fun stuff um i don't think he does that now and i don't know if he i mean he could have a bit of fun with it but again same thing i said with coalition units at the start of the game uh start of the recording which is um you know he's not getting the blades of corn keyword um and that plays a role in in what you get as bonuses there. So he's not getting the medalists. He's not getting, 
you know the bonuses of a lot of the the stuff in that space so i i think he'd be great model and he's very cool model um i don't think he plays a role in corn though you're it's like half your army and if you want to run him it's awesome run your army cool absolutely yeah but talking to a tournament and wanting to do well competitively you're 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 really sacrificing half your allegiance abilities mm-hmm. and to get the blood type you're really relying on the generation from killing your enemy and archaeon can can be good but mm-hmm. you look at a slaves to darkness army and their combat is coming from varangard double fighting not specifically from archaeon yep exactly exactly um varangard's not a bad shout for corn but again um probably too expensive for what you want them to do so yeah probably the last burning question then i'll let you kind of wrap it up and it's a nice little segue here is prem asking and uh they said this is the most important question uh how has your record been against slanish since (laughs) you made the challenge in them on the last runax radio your podcast that you share with gabe um hopefully you've taken many bliss barb archer heads so what is the current status update on your uh bliss barb archer heads and record against slanesh okay so i've played four games against slanesh uh and currently it is two and two um i like your charity by the way thank you for letting gabe win occasionally yeah look i haven't played gabe yet so he'll be my win that i get next so it's good um look it's one of those things where slanesh is really good counters to corn and i was beating them in the first two games because they weren't ready for the murder lust rolls and all that sort of stuff and and we were playing really tight games every game's been super tight which has been nice um but slanesh just gets crazy depravity by the end of the game um, and their buffs from depravity compared to what I get from corn is wild. So I am two for two, but I'm really hoping uh, with my 21 skull crusher list that will counter a lot of what Slanesh does and they won't know what to do against it. So yeah, we'll see what happens. So I'm going to mix it up a bit and try some different things after this weekend. I love it. And, you know, obviously, uh, you know, some of the powerful that from the Bliss Bob Archer combination, because you're issuing three commands at the same time and unleashing hell and all our attacking and things like that, well, all our attacking on shooting, but being able to to get into combat using your murder lust, those three units to, to stop the unleash hell yep. to because once they've they've let out that, that unleash hell, they don't do a lot. Like I played them recently and they died to a stiff breeze, but yep. they did get yep. their shots out. Um, yep. So if you can deny those shots, then that mm. strategy just completely crumbles. And I think I'm up to about 55 skulls for the um, those arrow boys as well, just letting you know. So I've killed about 55 of them across four games. Somebody did ask how many skulls you have uh, mm. given to the skull throne of corn. Mm. And mm. Uh, someone actually did ask, um, was there any hard counters? Uh, is there any other, you know, difficult opponents for corn players at the moment? Like is KO, KO is obviously running a nightmare KO's currently a in the massive meta. massive issue, yeah. Yeah, they're a massive issue only because they're doing – uh, a lot of high damage output in shooting, but now they've also got combat and they're doing their combat strike first before you're getting a chance to to do much. Um, I haven't played, I've played them uh, with the new corn in the first game um, and it was a really tight game and I think I ended up losing by about two points. But um, again, we were playing a couple of rules wrong and um, it was really, you know, early days for corn as well in that space. 
you're also not the only person who's struggling. A, a corn, uh, sorry, corn is not the only army struggling against KO. KO is definitely a meta leader right now. So it's more about an answer to KO as it is that it's got the the yeah. keys to your kingdom. But yeah, Gammy, is there anything that finally you want to wrap this up before we kind of get shout outs and and uh, let you go to bed? I know you've got a school night tomorrow. Yep. Um, so only thing is, as I'd say. Um, the book is really well written. Uh, it is uh, all around a sort of book. Um, I think I've said it on the podcast as well, you know, about Silverneth and, and all the new books coming out, Sold White, you know, things that I'm really interested in playing. All the new books have really tapped into that flavour. And I think what they've done with Corn is really nice. Um, the model side of things is a love of mine, which I'm going to keep working on it. And the good thing is, is that it's not just one build. There's going to be multiple builds in that. So the good thing is, is for the next couple of years, I'll be able to play some different armies. And hopefully if you have got anything out of the, the video, it's just keep trying and, and working out what works for you because the book's got flavour um, and mixed up. And then whatever works for you and your play style, then tap into that and, and go nuts. I know the intention of Games Workshop, at least in the last 12 months since Matt Rose came into the picture, and you probably heard it on MetaWatch. And if you haven't, I recommend you do watch the MetaWatch videos. They are very fascinating. They're, they're not just marketing. They're, they're quite good from um, one of the heads of Games Workshop in Age of Sigma. Um, Matt talks a lot about internal balance, talks about not just having one or two type of good builds in the book, um, and it's definitely been reflective since Matt's been in the company, I think, in the last 12 months. And to go back to what our opening statements were, can I run a full Bloodbound army? Absolutely. And you can do well. It may not be the 5-0 and o army, but guess what? If you do, it's because you've worked hard, you've yeah. countered your opponent, and it's not, a, it's not an easy 5-0. and o. Mm. Can you run a demon army and get success? Absolutely. Can you bl blend and mix between the two, whether it's mortals with a demon general, whether it's a 50-50, whatever? Yes. So I think there's a lot of great viable builds. It's obviously going to come down to your practice, your implementation. Yeah, your grand strategies might not be the best options. You've got plenty of great battle tactics. You have a lot of tools to respond to the meta and respond to the battle plans as they evolve. But it's going to take time. It's going to take repetition. And um, it's good outside of, like, again, Murderlust, which probably there's not a lot of things where it's like, this is completely busted. It mm. needs to be fixed. And as a Squig player, I know what that feels like. And I'm just waiting for the day that Squigs get nerfed. So yeah. at least you yeah. don't have that concern. No, no, not concerned <laughs> at all. It's a good, good space to be in. Anything you want to say finally, any shout outs? If people want to listen to you, uh, you do a semi-regular podcast called Runax Radio, which is yep. uh, Gabe Slanesh, we were just joking about. Well, actually, not really. You are going to kick his ass. Uh, you yep, have to. Absolutely. It's corn. Yep. You can't let yep, corn down with Slanesh. Yeah. Not allowed to. Not at all. Uh, yeah, so special shout out to Gabe. Um, obviously, we do have that podcast together. Um, and every now and then we release something. We're going to try and record an episode next week after the Mango event. So that'll be with Tim as well. Um, Another special shout out to Dave and Tim, my two boys in the Mago Mafia. Uh, they are repping the flag strong and Dave's just become three-time master. So he is doing really well and he's about to go off to Worlds. So shout out to the Australian World team. Can't wait to see you kick some butts and take some names. And all I'll say is if you don't come back with your shield, come back on it. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> then someone else might win the Masters in Australia for once. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's it. That's it. But no, David's um, very good. Yeah, he, he's a great player, and my boy Blake is always my corn enthusiast. And I wonder if he'll watch it, but he's he always calls me his roughshod hoof prince. So that's that's the main thing. We're talking gay, uh, Blake down in uh, Bathurst. Blake way, Kerwick, yeah? yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Blake Kerwick, no, my look, boy. Oh, Kerwick. Oh, Kerwick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's way up north now, so he's he's long gone. But. Uh, for you, there's another, there's a Blake Corn player down corn my enthusiast. way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and, I, well, and, but... and I always tease him because, like, I would have gotten him on episode, but he's uh, he's obsessed with crutches and the cron spine. And I'm like, I ain't interested in a corn list with a nah. cron spine. Like, like nah. ditch your crutch, walk on your own two legs, and we'll talk yep. and have a good time. Yeah, that's it. Filthy people, get rid of this cron spine. Yeah. Gammy, thank you so much for your time. Uh, folks, I hope you enjoyed this episode and uh, you got a bit more discussion and conversation and thoughts around the Bloodbound Mortal Corn. Um, and I guess between this discussion and the Gareth t- the discussion, which was more focused around the demon side, you have a much clearer understanding of how competitive people are looking at the faction obviously we're not saying that you know this is the be all and end all it's just an opinion so if you have any thoughts or comments let us know in the comment section let us know if we were too harsh on uh like the wrathmongers uh if you're like me and you are obsessed with valkia and you're going to find a way to make valkia work let us know curious to hear because that's how we all learn right we we learn because we share ideas and our experiences and who knows maybe there is a day where Korgorath are the meta again there was one time maybe, uh, maybe that maybe. time will happen again <laughs> exactly we'll find out 2024 it'll happen it'll happen maybe it's like Korgorath meta general's handbook coming out like specifically keyword Korgoraths you you just win yeah auto win two plus <laughs> All right, folks, thanks thanks for joining, Gammy. Thank you so much, and I hope you enjoyed this discussion. All good. Bye. See you guys. Bye. Thanks for hanging around until the end. I hope you enjoyed that video and you walked away with a few new ideas. Now, if you did, I would love it if you pressed like on the video as well as left me a comment with your thoughts. The conversation will continue over on Discord, and the link is down below in the episode description. I also want to give a massive shout out to the AOS Coach patrons and YouTube members who are supporting the channel and the growth that you're seeing here. So cheers, you are all bloody legends. And until next time, don't roll a double one on a spell cast.